Family, we chose this one. It's episode 176, Shogun Assassin from 1980. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Koss and their Geo 180 Outdoor Bathtub. The Geo line is a range of products that reinvents bathtub design in morphological terms, created to define new forms for basins of water and reinvent the bathroom ambiance. Shout out to Koss if you want to check them out. You can go to stylepark.com. Well, shout out to Kaz and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. After the break, we're kicking off a three-episode, three-location crossover event with the resident historian Mike Manzi himself. We are doing Shogun Assassin here. We are doing Lone Wolf and Cub Part 3 on his show mm-hmm. and Lone Wolf and Cub Part 4 on our Patreon. So if you're not a member there yet, go do that now because this will not be complete. I mean, we're not going to complete either way because there's six of these movies, but we're only doing four of them but if you want to make sure you get all the lone wolf all the cub action too fast to forever.com but joe extracurricular activities what have you been up to since we last spoke oh i have like a lot of like media things to talk about one last night was like the first half of the finale of temptation island it was delightful i was super excited about it they kind of cut it like at the middle of the bonfire at the end you know they left us on like a cliffhanger of like what's going on that will continue next week so i'm excited about that rachel and i have been blowing through Oscar movies getting ready because of what the Oscars is Sunday, right? As we're recording. Probably. I have no idea. It seemed like based on past updates, you've been doing one a week. We were, but we did like a bunch more in like the past week as we're getting closer. So we watched The Father with Anthony Hopkins, which was like a really weird movie. I've not seen that one yet. That's the only one I've not seen. I'm probably not going to see it, I don't think. It's it's super depressing. I think you'd like it in that sense. It's kind of it's kind of I don't like depressing things just because they're depressing. Like I know what that's about. Like, I don't I don't I don't need adults tending to their dying at parents it's more interesting than that for sure it's definitely one that i've thought of the most about since we've watched it honestly interesting okay and like you know that like i don't like depressing movies it's not like overtly depressing it's just like has like a somber tone because what you talked about right like the giant premise is like she's taking care of her dad who has dementia Mm -hmm. so that one was like surprisingly good in a weird way we watched judas and the black messiah and the trial of chicago seven we didn't know, but are the same story. I mean, like, not the same story, but two sides of the same story, kind of. Sure, except one is good and one is not good. Which one well, didn't you like? Well, Sh- Trial of Chicago 7 is okay, but Judas and the Black Messiah is awesome. Rachel really likes Trial of Chicago 7. I really liked Judas and the Black Messiah because it had, like, what, so many of our favorite actors in it, right? The Trial of Chicago 7 has, like, a really great cast, too. It's, like, super stacked, both of them. But yes, they're both about Chicago in the late 60s and the riots and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Super timely and appropriate. They were all good. I, you're right, though. I, I personally really, really like Judas and the Black Messiah. I thought it was an excellent movie. So how many more Best Picture noms do you have to go through? Uh, we saved Sound of Metal based on your recommendations. And, we'll, like, you know, we love um, Riz Ahmed. So we have Sound of Metal left. That's the only one we got left on our list. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, and we, there. Were sa- we were saving it because we were like, oh, like, we, we have a strong suspicion we're really going to like this one. So we were like, 
you know, we did Promising Young Woman first, which everybody said was going to be great. And we were saving Sound of Metal to be like, if we need to rinse the taste out of our mouth of anything else. Well, I mean, it's also, it's not, it's, you know, it's pretty heavy. It's not like it's just like a fun movie. Like, it's, Oh, I'm uh... sure. It just seemed like something that we would like. We actually started like the first two minutes of it at one point. And we were like, you know what? Let's save this because this looks like something that we will enjoy. Not like enjoy like, ha ha ha, this is amazing and incredible. Well, I mean, the first, the first two minutes of it are like him drumming at a badass yes. metal show, right? And yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it quickly changes from that. I'm sure, but yes. Okay. And then lastly, Netflix brought The Circle back, which was the show that we yeah, talked about. Yeah, I saw Kate Hudson tweeting about it. Yes. They're all in a house, and they can only interact with everybody via this, like, fake social media that they have. They're in season two, so I feel like it's having this thing where, like, a lot of reality TV kind of game shows, like, things that are, like, based off, like, Survivor, right? On a long enough timeline that, but now it happens really, really quickly, is that people realize it's a game. They start playing the game as they come into the house, which I don't find as enjoyable. Like, when we saw, like, the first part, like, the first season of The Circle, it's like, they don't really know what the direction it's going to go to or, like, how this game is structured, so everybody's kind of playing fresh. But if you've seen it, then they know that, like, oh, they need to do this thing, and if they win this, then they're safe, and, like, all this kind of stuff. In that sense, it's... It's kind of um, disappointing, but in the other sense, because they're on season two, they're doing like wacky ass surprises. No spoilers for anybody that's going to watch it, but if you did, you know, they're adding like really crazy people to the house, right? Because they can, or people that you know from other things. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, and the new episodes came out last night, so I think we're going to watch that after we record tonight. Have I told you about or have you guys watched the TV show from eight years ago called Siberia? No, and I don't think you mentioned it either. I don't remember you talking about it. So Siberia was a show on NBC that was great. It only lasted one season got canceled uh, because they did not know how to market it. So Siberia was marketed as a reality show wherein 20 people or something go to Siberia in russia is this the fake reality show yes so they have to survive the winter in like the first or second episode somebody dies and people are like oh my god like what's happening and so i don't know if they could have done a second season but like nbc essentially marketed as a reality reality show show and didn't really do the show justice but that's one of my i mean you know as i've made abundantly clear on here i'm not a huge reality show person i would just rather watch something else but this was interesting in that it's doing like it looks like it from the outside but like absolutely crazy shit is happening and so it's not necessarily a game but it's kind of a game it's like you know the the most dangerous game except not really (laughs) murdering people it's you know just trying to survive yeah but it looks like i just i I googled it it looks like it's free to watch on tubi with ads so i i wasn't sure if it was gonna be available anywhere like i have the i bought the dvd like not even the blu-ray but i bought the dvd because i'm like i need to own this because i don't know if this is ever going to be anywhere because it feels like one of those things that like nbc would just like sweep under the rug yes yes it's on it's on tubi for free so that's pretty cool isn't nbc peacock too so it's not on peacock right not according to google i don't know weird (sighs) very weird so yes so your assumption was right that they kind of sweep it under the rug right because tubi is fox so i don't know how that happened maybe they just bought the rights to it i have no idea done that too you're right yeah i have no idea Anything else of note in the last week? No. What have you been up to? I watched... I've been watching lots of old movies. Like, oh, cool. There's, like there's some new movies that I have been not watching, but I've been adding to lists. But, you know, obviously watching for this episode. But also, I watched, finally, a what? James Bond movie that I enjoyed, the George Lazenby on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is the only one that Lazenby was in. And I think it's great. And, like, the, the letterbox people are so... Like, I feel like a lot of Bond people are Connery people. Yeah. And a lot of people, like, I was reading, like, recent reviews, and they're like, if Connery's in this, it would have been better. I'm like, no, man. Like, it's 
not because like, Con- like I don't like Connery as Bond at all. I think he's like super creepy and like a little rapey and like yep. just like just of the time and whatever. Like Lazenby is like more physical and he's getting into these like cooler fights. And we got Telly Savalas as Blofeld and you know he's from Kojak and he's just like a more physical Blofeld. And, like everything about this is like cooler and they have curling in it. Like the Olympic sport curling is in it. And I'm like, this is so cool. I like Daniel Craig ones better, but I'm finally, you know, six or seven into this. Six, I think six in. And I finally have one I'm like, oh, I actually enjoyed this. I mean, it's long as hell. It's way too long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes, but I really like that. Yeah. I've also, so the Criterion channel, which has all of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies yep. to stream. Yep. They have a collection because they add, because it's not only Criterion movies. They also just have like other stuff too. Like it's a lot of Criterion movies, but they also just curate collections. And they have a new collection that's called The Gamblers. And it's all these like classic gambling movies Ooh. from like the 40s through the 90s. That sounds fun. And so a week or two, probably two weeks ago now, I watched this movie California Split by Robert Altman that stars George Siegel and Elliot Gould and it's great. And so that sort of sent me down this path of like Altman movies and gambling movies. And so last week I watched The Long Goodbye, which is a LA detective story with Elliot Gould, which is an Altman movie. And then I watched The Gambler with Sonny Corleone, James Caan himself, mm-hmm. um, which is a gambling movie. And it just, I'm cherry picking movies that I know that I'm going to like, but there's something really reassuring and great about watching good movies, right? Like there as opposed is, to just yes. like, oh, there's just a new movie out that I want to see. Like most of them, like I realized that I was talking to a friend. I'm like, I like most movies, but I wouldn't recommend most movies, if that makes sense. Like I enjoy yeah. watching most things, but like most things I see, I'm like, yeah, you don't have to watch that. I think it's more descriptive, like you enjoy the idea of watching mm-hmm. a movie so like any content is good content for you a lot of the time because uh, well it depends it depends but I yes. mean largely yeah I like I enjoy it doesn't take much like if it's like oh like I was talking we were talking about the movie The Accountant where like Ben Affleck plays an assassin with Asperger's and like yeah. I don't think it's a good movie but like Anna Kendrick's in it and I love Anna Kendrick I'm like it's you know it's worth watching for her but like I wouldn't recommend The Accountant like yeah. I don't remember The Accountant I saw it in theaters I don't remember it but like it's just like hey there's an actress in there I like it's worth watching kind of but like I wouldn't recommend it so yeah I don't know I feel you but that's good and I also I want to share a uh, a very positive customer service experience I had so the, I I, I got served this Instagram ad for this company called Factor 75 so like there's a lot of companies out there that'll like sell you meal kits like you're like like blue yes. aprons like here's exactly what you need to make this meal whatever yeah factor 75 is like here's a meal that we're cooking we're going to deliver you just heat it up and eat it i'm like cool that sounds nice because so pre- like, pre-made like just pre-made. in a container okay yes cool and so the offer is you save a hundred dollars i'm getting the, the plan that i'm tentatively currently on is eight meals a week for 99 bucks i think which That's is like decent. 12 bucks a meal so like it's it's not bad on a per meal basis, but it's just like do it's like the equivalent of kind of eating out every night, which is maybe expensive. I don't know. Like it's kind of expensive. No, I, well, I mean, granted, I'm in a different position because there's two of us, but like if we were to get takeout, I'm forty bucks deep, right? So it makes sense. I I get it. I don't know if I'm gonna go up or down or whatever because like the more meals you do per week, the more it costs, obviously, but the less, the cheaper each meal is yes, per yep. thing. So this current that the offer is you save a hundred dollars over your first three orders. So take forty off the first, and then thirty, and then twenty. Okay. Or not save ninety bucks over the first three orders, right? Okay. And so I place my first order, and it arrives yesterday on Tuesday. And I open it up. I'm like, this is so cool. And I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to get eight, and there's six in the box. And I call them, and I'm like, hey, so I haven't even taken a bite yet. I don't know if this is good or not, but. You, you, you messed up like there's only there's two that are missing yeah and she's like oh my god i'm so sorry she's like which one which two are missing i told her and she's like oh okay she's like what i'm gonna do is i'm going to refund you the price of those two which i was like cool okay yeah and i'm gonna give you a half 
order credit on your next order. So she also credited me $49.50. And so, like, oh. before I even took a bite of this food, and I had the first one last night, it was good, they won me over by being like, let me bend over. Like, I don't know if this is, like, standard policy for them or if it's just because customer retention, it was my you're a new customer, first, yeah. literally the first order that I ever got from them was wrong. But I was like, wow, that's actually, like really good like that's kind of remarkably good so, so what'd you eat last night what, what was it what was last night one? was a parmesan pesto chicken it was a chicken breast with a pesto sauce and some zucchini pasta i don't know if you call Zoodles. it zucchini pasta Zoodles. yeah and uh some green beans and tomatoes it was really good and that it was sounds actually good we make pretty something decently portioned too we make something very similar to that that sounds awesome yeah so it's just nice because like i want to eat healthier and i want to eat more diverse yes. stuff but i have yes. zero interest in cooking this is like it was literally Heat up the oven to 375 for six minutes. And yep. it's like, that's it. It's like, it's not even one of those where it's like, oh, it's pre-cooked, but you still have to throw it in the oven for 45 minutes or whatever. It's like, no, just six minutes. <laughs> so I heat it up, wait five, ten, five minutes, whatever, for the oven to heat up, throw it in, <laughs> ding, done. So so I say these things a lot. We actually, it's, I have a, like a weird story that we just got into a giant fight with Matt about air fryers. I'm like, if I was here alone and didn't have Rachel because Rachel does like all of our cooking there's so many things like this that I would do because I'm like you didn't have to go buy basil and chicken and zucchini and then zoodler and everything like this you just put it in the oven for five minutes you're like dude this is fucking perfect for one person so i agree i'm happy for you i'm glad that it because the alternative is like what i also do is like i make a bunch of food like i take a pound of meat of some kind and like make a pound of ground beef tacos or like a pound of chicken like seasoned or whatever or two pounds of crock pot chili or whatever and then i just have that for five or six days exactly so it's just like you know it's a it's a blend of the two and i'm not sure if i'm going to keep this but you know one for one so far and plus customer service so shout out to factor 75 not a sponsor but if you don't sponsor us, if you're listening, please and thank you. Yeah, please. I would like to try it. Sounds good. That sounds like a really good meal. I'm excited. Yeah. I don't know what tonight's going to be. I'm going to eat it after we're done here. I got five more to choose from. And yeah, we'll see. We have a Patreon page, too fast, too forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, aka Montez. Thank you also very much for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Joe, pick a number between one and eight. You have picked three, six, and eight. So pick a different number. Uh, one. Swag and merchandise like t-shirts, stickers, and more. If you sign up for our Patreon, at the $5 level, you get stickers. At the, I don't remember if it's 25 or 30 or 50. I keep changing it, like trying to see if anybody's <laughs> going to get enticed. It, nobody has, but it's the like, do a whole lap. Like you'll get a free t-shirt. Yeah. Anything. There's That's also like, that's called the Hernan, Hernan Reyes tier. Yeah. So if you want to channel your inner Brazilian corrupt millionaire, billionaire, whatever, uh, that's basically like we're going to make weird stuff and you're going to get all of it. So yep. I don't think anybody's ever going to do that. Um, if they do, we have bigger problems like, oh, that kind of messes our scheduling plans. But, you know, <laughs> yep. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I do want to say, though, what? and I think most of the Patreon posts get sent as email updates to everybody. But I yesterday put together a new pinned post which has everything you need. Because like the old pin post used to be how to use the Patreon exclusive RSS like, feed because like yep. all the bonuses and stuff. Yep. But now here, wherever, whatever links you want. So like if you want to know where the store is or a Cage Club hub or our social or how to listen to different platforms or the minute documents or the quizzes, they're all there in one handy thing. So That's cool. 
very good of you. That's awesome. I had been meaning to do it for literally months and just hadn't done it because I just didn't think of it. But now here we go. Too fast. Twoforever.com. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me and Joe. I said we have a weird email bag. You did. It's you a weird me. email bag, but it's also because it's like from all over the place. And if I uh, food all over the place. Yes. And if I, if I have to tell you, uh, we have 14 things to read. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's go. I don't know that any are long. We're going to find out. But this is a lot. So just buckle in. I think buckle Heather, up, must have, in. Heather must have shook some people up by liking Seven so much. I think that's probably um, what it is. I think only one is about that. Maybe more. I have no idea. We're going to find out. Okay. Uh, first up from Alex Ellen. Subject line, spoilers. This was sent in on Friday after we posted. Oh, by the way, Patreon listeners, Patreon supporters get episodes early. So Alex, I know a couple of people listen on Friday when it drops. Pretty quick. Yeah, a couple Which do. is awesome. And so he listened and sent this in. So he sent in spoilers, question mark, because I was like, hey, I'm not watching the trailer. Yep. Don't spoil things. Yes. So he says, and this is, buckle up, Joe. This is a trigger warning. Snape kills Dumbledore. Okay. <laughs> Dude, that is one of my favorite internet moments of all time. The video of the kid driving around to Barnes and Noble at midnight, just yelling Snape kills Dumbledore 485 or whatever page it was. I mean, it's awful. It's so mean. But at the same time, it was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen at the time. Thank you, Alex, for bringing that back. We referenced that a fucking lot in our household, actually. And you brought it up, I think, probably on here and also on Zack Attack for sure, I think. Yeah, so. it's it one of my up. favorite, favorite moments. Also, like, we would play, when we were playing Halo, people would and just jump into, like, lobbies and be like, Snape kills Dumbledore and then just leave. Like, that, they would just <laughs> do that same thing, too, because it was the same. Like, God damn it. But I mean, you know. I mean, I guess I'm sure video games are still like this, but, like, the period of time where, like, everyone was playing video games... Like, I was trying to explain to Rachel that, like, Halo would shut down on Wednesday nights when Chappelle's show would come on. You'd have to turn off the game, because if not, like, the whole episode was ruined for you as soon as, like, once the episode was over. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, that makes sense, though. It was Chappelle's show, back-to-back, South Park. Like, it was, like, one and the other, and, like, if you didn't... Like, I remember we ended the episode, the Rick James episode of Chappelle Show, and somebody's name that joined our lobby was, I'm Rick James, bitch. Like, like they had already made a new gamer tag to match the episode and came in. We were like, fuck. Like, it's a it's, beautiful thing. It's a beautiful. It happened in minutes. So, yes, I remember. Alex also says, and no one explains how a centuries old building has indoor plumbing. Well, yeah. I mean, just magic, I guess, right? Yeah, true. Magic. Literally magic. Yep. Next email. Subject line, I finally remember the title of the 6F6F. Score, it's the same as 4F4F, but two extra from Wells Lamont. Okay. <laughs> What's up, Wells? I have a question for you. Who is even the bad guy in 3F3F Presents Tokyo Drift? Is it the Yakuza? It doesn't necessarily seem like it. Is it DK? What did DK really do to be considered bad? If anything, his shady-ass girlfriend is the bad guy for creeping on him with Sean, causing a ruckus. Shout out to Wu-Tang. If anyone is the bad guy, it's Han. He's ripping off the not only his partner, but the Yakuza, causing major problems. True. Twinkie's kind of the enabler, but he's obviously not the bad guy. I'm wondering now, because you brought up how the bad guy in 7 is the weakest villain in the Fastiverse. I made a list before, I think, but I can't remember. In 1F1F, the bad guy is Dom. In 2F2F, it's Carter Verone. In 4F4F, if it's Braga, 5F5F, it's Reyes, 6F6F, it's Shaw, 7F7F, it's Shaw's brother, Shaw. In 8F8F, it's the Braids. One last thing, why is INDB so backwards? I had to dig deep through the casting list to find DK's real name. They listed a bunch of extras beforehand. They need to get their priorities straight. Well, I think that is... They, they do I can answer that because like, 
No, 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 no. It it yeah. matches the credits in the movie, and the movie, I guess, for Tokyo Drift is an order of appearance. No, I thought it was the other way around, because that's how, what's his name, became suspicious onlooker super high up on IMDb. It's based on how much people search for that person. Nope. Did they change it? Then it was never like that. No, because, like, the kid that I went to high school with that was suspicious onlooker number two became, like, the third build thing in Jack Reacher because everybody was searching for him. It was like Tom Cruise and then him as suspicious onlooker. Like that was like No, a the only way that meme. IMDb has ever been credited as far as I know is either it just it, it mirrors the movie because it's not like they're arbitrarily doing things, but it's either top build like there. how people negotiate like by role or whatever or in order of appearance, which in in this because if you watch if you go through well, it, it'll show like all the American high school kids and then all the Japanese high school kids and whatever. So uh... Okay, I'll take your word for it. I thought that it was the other way around, because I remember this whole suspicious onlooker story, so... I am to be Jack Reacher, because right now... Yeah, on a long enough timeline, it's going to get washed out, but, like, if you search for, like, one person in a movie a hundred times when the movie first comes out... Alexander Rhodes, yeah, he's, like, eighth from the bottom. Yeah, but at one point... right now, it's Jack like... Reacher, it's, it's Jack Reacher, and then the female lead, and then the other male leads and stuff, so... It, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, like, at one point, he was, like, third build in Jack Reacher on IMDb. That's weird. I, yeah. I I don't not believe you, but I also don't know why that would ever be the case. So the only thing that I think that like ever IMDb changes is like the top four, and that's supposed to be I think based on popularity, but also like if you have an IMDb Pro, you can you can set your top four so that like, you can be like I'm gonna promote my new stuff or I'm gonna promote this old thing or whatever. Okay. Like you can do okay. that, but I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Wells says, Ghost Girl makes me cringe, too. How'd they let that slide? It's so awkward. Dude. Iggy Azalea was not great. She tried way too hard. Probably happens when you only have a line or two because you want to murder it so bad you end up overacting. Yeah, I can see that. Actually, let's go back a step because we didn't answer the thing. Who's the villain in Tokyo Drift? (sighs) He makes a really great case that it's Han. From the, like, what they're trying to sell you is that DK is the villain. It's definitely not Sonny Chiba, because he does. He seems kind of impartial, even though he well, is he's a villain reason. in the world, but not yes. a villain to our story, right? That's okay. Fair. That's a good distinction. But but I think Wells is a hundred percent right. The the actual villain here is that Han is two timing his best friend, fucking the yakuza, and like running around with high schoolers. None of these things should exist. But he's the hero of our story. What do you think? Does that does that make sense to you? I mean, you could probably also make an argument that Sean is the villain. That things are going fine until the white boy comes in and messes things up. So. He d- he does white savior it up a little bit, doesn't he? That's that's true. Very good point. <laughs> well, Sean no is just idea. a villain because he's too old to be in high school. But yes. And then Wells says, "Okay, bros, I'm about to start gung ho right now, so I may be back real soon. Peace, anus, you anus." Piecers. I don't know if that I means he... listening or watching or what, but he did not email again, so he's not back real soon. So. <laughs> I hope that he watched Gung Ho, because the movie was fun. So, I, And I think Wells would really like it. If he's never seen it before, then this is a very movie that he would enjoy for just its goofiness. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that, feel, that feels, like a, feels like a Wells movie. Yeah, I think so. Next email, 35 large from Jerry Robinson. Okay. Oh, well, how fucking timely, Jerry, because you'll see... In a second. Well, we, we talked about it in the oh, last minute, that's too. that's right. It ca- carried over. But yes, How it's... timely that he responded to a thing that we talked about in the last episode. <laughs> yes, true. Very true. He says, I think this is one of the top Fast and Furious questions. I don't think it's 35 grand, and here's why. The first movie says only two grand twice. Two grand in LA to 35 grand in Miami. That's a big-ass increase in two movies. Yeah. So I'm thinking it was three grand that becomes 3,500. I think so, too. Kick Miami in a nickel, rent. add yeah. another 500. That makes sense. Also, as we see in this minute, like he hands him a little stack of money that is 
not 35 grand unless those are like five thousand dollar bills <laughs> or yeah even like at hundreds it would be like a couple stacks you know so it's it seems like it's 3500 i agree miami rent is kind of expensive especially back then around 2003 but maybe they got a big ass house i don't know from what the cash the ratios get the tej looks nowhere near 35,000. Yeah, there we go that's right or it'll be more thick he says, on a random note, I was driving one of my weekly stops and I have an S10. And Joey, right when you said, hey, Google, pull up Jason Statham, my phone literally said, pulling up Jason Statham. And I laughed so hard, I was in tears. So this was the Super Bowl commercial thing. Do you remember this Super Bowl commercial that was like, okay, Google, hello, Alexa, or like, you know what yeah. I mean? And the thing is, I don't have any of these listening devices in my house. So I didn't get the joke. Everybody else was like, oh my God, my shit just like all went crazy in my house. But I didn't have that because I don't like them listening to me. But that's funny. That's really well, funny. Well, when, when you make a commercial like that, yes. there is a way that you can layer sounds under the sound yes. that the device does not activate, which they learn the, the hard way because like of stuff goes wrong, right? And like yeah. it just things divide. So I only said Google because I have an AliExA right next to me and I have an iPhone to the other side of me. And so I'm like, what's the one thing that's selfishly not going to trigger in my room? Okay, Google, bring up Jason Statham dancing. Makes sense. There you go. Hope you got it again, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Our next email from Patreon. New $1 patron, meet Dope D. So now Dope D is someone who has been tweeting at us or interacting with us a little bit on yes. Twitter. And D we were has wondering been who it was. Yeah. very quiet, but it looks like Deshante. So if I'm getting that name wrong, I am so sorry. That's at least what the email looks like. So D, if you want to send a note in, family at cageclub.me, say hi. Maybe you did. I don't think you did. We'll find out. Yeah, maybe you had like some other alias or something. I don't know. But I don't think that you did. We were we were curious because we saw like how much you were responding on Twitter and we were like trying to figure out who it was. Because like, you know, sometimes we can yep. like guess it's like somebody that we, you know, talk to or something. But yeah. So thank you, D. And D's doing it, right? I mean, a dollar a month, they get... Bonus the entire everything, yeah. right? They don't get the stickers yeah. or the pick movies, but every bonus episode, access to everything, dollar a month, too fast, too far, com. Shout out to D. Thank you, D. Thank you, D. Next email from Dan Hayden. Subject line, catch up and being awesome. What's up, Dan? How are you doing, bud? What up, Joe and Joey? It's been a while. I've been extremely busy lately, but I have been listening. I finished catching up last week when I drove up to Worcester, Massachusetts, Worcester, and back Mass. in one day. Worcester was um always the fake town that we used when we lied about where we were from. Why did you lie about where you're from? I don't know if you need to sometimes. Um, but Worcester, Mass. is a great place to lie to about where you're from because it's spelled goofy. So you only know that it's called Worcester if you ever been to Worcester. Worcester. For anybody that doesn't know about Massachusetts, it's spelled like Worcester, but it's called Worcester, as in W-O-O-S-T-E-R. That's how you Worcester. pronounce it. Yeah. Exactly. I was picking up an extremely hard to find bicycle, and while I was in the area, I stopped the Treehouse Brewing and got a huge case of beer. Well, shout out to Treehouse Treehouse. Yeah. I've not thought about Treehouse in a long time. They just brewed some cold brew coffee today, is what I was seeing in the Treehouse groups. They've been like super coffee bonered lately. and So apparently, were... yesterday was not only 420 for like the weed holiday, but also it was like National Cold Brew Day or something. Like I saw that on Twitter. Interesting. So, I don't know. Maybe that's why they did it. Well, cold brew needs to get their own holiday because i think that one's already taken you know you can have complimentary things but i don't know that those two things complement one another that well like you know you could do better i think that if you if you're celebrating 420 you smoke enough weed that cold brew probably does complement it somehow like you know i went on my run yesterday through my neighborhood and i only smelled weed in one house like you you know again admittedly i know but admittedly strong enough to smell it from the sidewalk (laughs) by the street but like i was like i can't believe 
I didn't smell it in more than one place. I just got drunk and watched Temptation Island, but that's pretty on brand for me. So yep, it's a Tuesday. It's What's a Tuesday. Joe doing? Drinking and watching reality TV. Exactly. Joe Temptation. Oh, here we go. Jesus, Joe Tem- Temptation Island is the greatest trash my wife and I've ever seen. Thanks for the suggestion. Hot take on the outcome of the last two episodes? Question mark. Oh, he wants one from me. This was sent on Monday, so it does not include last night. Every season of Temptation, I'm glad that he's watching it. It is the best trash TV. I promise you it's like if you like any of these shows temptation island is the holy grail every season there's like one king scumbag guy that comes in with his girlfriend is just like the the worst person you've ever seen on tv and this year it's this guy named kendall as soon as he left his girlfriend he was like i'm single he has like a threesome he's been like hooking up with this one girl the whole time he's been telling her like he's gonna like he's like talking about like moving with this other girl does like he probably knows now but like as of last night's episode kendall like they like finally sit down right it's the it's the re-come together so that scumbag guy comes back with his girlfriend who's now seen he's she's watched the videos of him have threesomes like they showed her them he sits down and he's like i was just trying to like open up emotionally and we're like what the fuck is like you are such a gaslighter this like he sits down and he's like yeah like i realized i still like i definitely love you and like i need to work on myself and we're like you didn't do any of that shit you were just like hooking up with as many girls as you could the whole time you were here i'm very excited for the finale but i'm glad that dan's watching I don't, I don't have any more hot takes than that. Well, Corey, there's a guy, Corey, he's like the nicest guy ever, and his girlfriend, just, all she wants to do is talk about soccer. She needs to go, and like as of last night, they like were like, we love each other, and we're going to stay together, and this was fucking stupid, so sucks to be Corey. Sorry, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stop there, because if not, I'll just keep ranting about Temptation Island forever. So Dan says, anyway, nothing crazy new to report. Figured I'd drop you a line and let you know I'm still here. I'm still listening. And if you haven't, Dan, go back and watch the first two seasons. Uh, I think they're they're on some fucking platform, like Hulu or Peacock or something. Um, they're equally as good as this one. So he also took the quiz. Ooh, what did he get? He got sixty three, which I was like, I texted him yesterday. Hold on, because he took the. I, I jumped a little bit ahead in the mailbag. Because okay. I got this email and I started this. But I texted him yesterday. I was like, glad my post seemed to inspire you to take the quiz. I haven't seen the damage yet, though. Ha ha. And he said, I've been meaning to take it. I was, It wasn't pretty. I think I got 61. Right? He actually got 63. Okay. I was like, I got to say, I'm like, that's not great. But it's also far from the worst. Because the I said, the quiz is undefeated in the Thunderdome. I was like, I got like an 80. What was my actual? I got an 84 and I wrote the damn thing. Right? So like. Yeah. Yeah. He's 20 crazy. less than you. That's not. Like the high water mark right now. It's still, you got 93. Ben got 92. But it feels like. In the mid '60s, where Dan is, is the is the mean, and yes, then we got a couple people in the '40s. So yeah, it's just it's brutal. It kicks your ass. It is. It's hard. Very very hard. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to keep it real. Like I would not be proud of a '63, but also there's no there's no shame in a '63. Like '63 no, is um, definitely not. Well, thank you, Dan. Shout out uh, shout out to Dan. Shout out to the quiz again. Patreon.com. Too fast, you forever get the link to the quiz. Yeah, D can, take, D can take the quiz now. Then this one, we got. I got an email. I don't know why sometimes this happens, sometimes it doesn't. Or maybe, maybe he used the button on the Facebook page. We got a note from Jeff Horner to our Facebook page. Too fast, too forever. The Fast and Furious podcast. Okay, what's up? Jeff? Your name, Jeff Horner. You gave the phone number. I guess we asked for the phone number. I don't know. I don't think we that feels like we shouldn't have asked for a phone number but yeah i don't, I don't think so says so just listen to your show on the italian job 1969 it was great to hear you mention this movie you can see me on facebook talking about it all the time the producer's final explanation for why the movie didn't do so well in america is because he believes the american audience just didn't get the dialogue that didn't have anything to do with america the book self-preservation society 50 years of the italian job came out in 2019 and i'm still i'm, I'm still helping the author with some documentations for a revised version of the book Ooh. there's also a television series in the works based on the original movie which we heard about we talked about uh, talked about on here i think so yes says thank you for your time jeff well thank you jeff that's pretty cool that's I didn't a know really that's... cool email yeah 
I don't know about the book. I think it's awesome that you helped with the book in yeah. some way, or at least you're helping the author. And never count out America being dumb on why a thing doesn't do well here. <laughs> That's that should just be like on on a license plate somewhere. Never count on America not being dumb. This is this is where like the uh, when I was like you know we got a got a, a weird weird mailbag because like we rarely get that Facebook like email us thing. That and then is the true. next thing I have is another positive comment on YouTube. No way. I know, right? <laughs> what are the chances? So we got this this note from Not Venzo, and it looks like his picture, their picture is some wrestler. I'm so sorry, it's just too little for me to know, and also I wouldn't know the wrestler. Okay. Some dude with long hair. Chris Jericho, maybe? Maybe. I'll send you this picture while, uh, while I read this email. You can tell me who this is. That's my guest, Chris Jericho. I love Heather's take on F8. Some of her points are really good, especially coming from someone who's no, seen Roman it and Reigns. watching. Who is it? It's Roman Reigns. Oh, it's okay. The Rock's cousin. Yeah. In Hobbs and Shaw. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of her points are really good, especially coming from someone who's seeing and watching the franchise for the first time. Mm. Honestly, this film is kind of meh for me. This is about Fave the Furious. And I place it in the bottom two along with F1. Ooh. It's a great film you can watch and never get bored with, as with every Fast film, but it doesn't mm-hmm. live up to the hype that Furious 7 had, which is one of my favorites along with 4. Ooh. So you don't like 1, but you do like 4. That's fascinating. Okay. Very weird. Like yeah. what Heather said, the point of Dom betraying the family doesn't make sense and the story seems bland at best, but the fact that Brian isn't here feels like an empty part of the family is missing. They did a good job of addressing him here, but it doesn't feel the same. The action sequences live up to the hype, the submarine chase and the zombie cars, 9 out of 10 for both. Overall, glad to hear Heather liked it and now a fanboy for Statham. She's not alone. Anyway, see you guys next week for Hobbs and Shaw. Cheers. P.S. I understand why Charlize was in this film. Director F. Gary Gray and her have a great relationship since she yep. was in The Italian Job, which we talked about, mm-hmm. which also starred Jason Statham as well, so it makes sense why she's the villain. There's a cameo in Hobbs and Shaw, which makes reference to the film and possibly connected, so watch for that. And I responded, and I was just like, oh, we know all about that. We definitely do. We broke it down, bud. And then he responded again, said, can't wait for the last and amazing end to Heather's run on the podcast with Hobbs and Shaw. She's going to love it. So I would assume, you know, we were wondering where these people were coming from. I would assume that not Benzo was a fan of Heather. I think so. That would make a lot of sense. But with the wrestling picture, it could be a fan of Nate's. We don't yep. know. We we have no idea, but that's awesome. Well, true, true, true. I'm glad that you, you found Heather's lap here that's good yes sir our next email from a new listener Damn. in glad i'm not the only one and an attempt at rankings from emily c well em yeah you're right this was like it's a, a weird mailbag man weird mailbag but in a great way we still got five more to go too super positive okay Gotta tell mike we're gonna be late hold on let me message mike right now all right emily says hi guys I've been enjoying listening to your podcast the last couple of months, so I thought I'd say hello. Hello, Emily. I grew up on mostly ridiculous action movies, especially the Bond films. Well, I'm so sorry if this is turning you off now. Despite this, I only started watching the Fast and Furious movies when Fate came out. I went and watched the first seven before I saw it because I'm big on watching watching reading things in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So while I technically started with the first one, I like to think that I started with Fate. Okay. Makes sense to me. Yep. Makes sense to me, too. I'll put my attempt of rankings at the end. Side note on the Bond films on recent rewatches, the early ones, a.k.a. the Connery and Moore eras, are dot, 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 not really great. <laughs> Personally, I start thinking they get mostly good at the Dalton films. Your mileage may vary on License to Kill, and I'm very fond of Goldeneye, as one of the very first movies I remember watching as a kid. I've heard good things about Goldeneye. Yeah, Goldeneye's good. And the game is great, so, yeah. you know. 
I'm glad I'm not the only one who doesn't really like Vin slash Dom and only one and only really got into it when Jason Statham showed up. I'm not entirely sure why I don't like Dom, but that's really a major factor on why my rankings are the way they are and possibly kind of why I didn't bother starting the franchise until 2017. I've really enjoyed listening to the episodes with Heather since I've had many of the same thoughts while watching these movies. Thanks for a fun podcast and I look forward to future episodes. Emily. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad Emily found us. Cool. So here's her ranking. She says, full disclosure, I've only seen the first four movies once. I might eventually go back and watch them again, but my quote, eventually, usually means in a couple years or never. Yeah. That's fine. It's like, yeah. That's why I'm like, I'll watch it soon. It's like, mm, that doesn't really mean much. Like, I'll, yeah. that just means I'll watch it eventually. Yeah, you put, you put it on your list and then it just, yep, exists. <sighs> Okay, number nine, The Fast and the Furious, the first one. Oh, man, this is we're, we're running up against people, people who hate this first one, I know. Yeah, two people in a row. It was really hard for me to get through this. Too much car stuff, not enough dumb action, maybe? And I only kept going because I heard the later ones were better. Oof. Fair enough, okay. And you stuck around, though. That's good. Number eight, Fast and Furious, the fourth one. They killed Letty. Like, why? I always forget that Giselle is introducing this one because of all I can, because all I can remember about it is the one where they killed Letty. Sometimes same honestly yep. yeah which you have no excuse because you have a podcast about this i know but sometimes like giselle pops up in four sometimes and i'm like oh yeah that's right her six and seven are tied so she has too fast and tokyo drift for too fast she says i remember being kind of bonkers i mean driving the car into the boat just the right amount of ridiculousness that i enjoy about the same ranking as tokyo drift which she says i remember really liking han and the music don't think i cared about sean though about the same ranking as too fast which yep okay a lot of people agree with you <laughs> Number five, Fate of the Furious. I really want to put this higher because I enjoy the version in my head, but also when I watch it, I live up to my title as the queen of fast forwarding and skip a lot of the Dom angsting scenes and Elena's pointless death. So my version is a couple of rankings higher, but the movie as a whole is about here because I've at least liked it enough to watch it multiple times. Okay. That sounds pretty much exactly like what Heather said, right? She's like right on board with Heather there. Yep. Because Heather was like the... and a half long version of the movie, yep. Yeah, in her head was much better. I also like this idea of the queen of fast forwarding. Yeah, Rachel's the, the queen of fast forwarding, like the queen of rewinding, and then she rewinds too far every time and makes me rewatch wow. a scene that we've seen. Number four, Fast Five. It's the first one I really enjoyed. I do love a good, fun heist movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole dragging the safe with the cars thing doesn't really make sense, but it makes for a fun scene as long as you don't think about it too much. Exactly. Number three, Fast and Furious 6. I enjoy Owen Shaw and the fight scenes. Plus the last, what, hour of the movie is kind of ridiculous. Cars, tanks, planes, harpoons or something. And I enjoy that. Minus Giselle's death. Why do we keep killing the women in these movies or in any action movie? I don't know. Go watch The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, or that, you know, any of that random-ass tweet that I found where it was just like badass ladies. There's that yes. podcast all about badass action ladies, right? So Yeah, there is. That's true. Ask Kara on Twitter at Bimps what it is. I don't remember what it is. That's right. Number yeah. two, Furious 7. Decker's my favorite, even though he's the villain in this. I love the introduction of Ramsey to the franchise and hate that this makes me cry every time. Also, driving a car through a couple buildings? Wild. Wild. For sure. And number one, Hobbs and Shaw, like I said, Deckard's my favorite, despite his characterization being wildly all over the place. And Hobbs is probably third-ish after Hattie, because I love her. Well, I love Hattie, too. That's true. That's a good That's a good top three. Yeah. It's like, what? who are my top three? It's, well, it's the people in Hobbs and Shaw. It's the people in that poster. That's... Makes sense. Plus, this one doesn't have the Toretto family drama, and I think it's just more fun all around. Does it have problems? Yes, but all these movies do. Is it a true Fast and Furious movie? Eh, I don't know. But I also don't care that much because it's fun. It's it's definitely, I think it's the most fun. So shout out to you, Emily. Thank you for those rankings. If you're not sending your rankings, if you're listening out there and you have not sent in your rankings, please do that because I love keeping tallies of these things. Yeah, please. Seriously. Next email from Jenny McMullen, subject line, Olives. What's up, Jenny? 
How are you doing? I was Lee? I was talking to my friends last night about the mailbag. I was like, look at all these you know, look at all these ma- these emails that we got. I'm like, oh, we we just got another one about olives. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which like to like a you know to somebody who doesn't know the podcast makes no goddamn sense. But makes like no we talked sense. about olives several times recently. We've actually been talking about olives for a while because we started with olives with uh, Justin Kleinman's son with the olives in the top knot. Remember? So like we've. We, we pretty much are an olive podcast at this point. Food all of the place. Yes. All of the... Oh, I like that one. Nice job. Hi, guys. Just heard the most recent mailbag, so I wanted to put my two cents in on olives. We use black olives, usually sliced on pizza, on nachos, or Mexican dishes, and in spaghetti sauce. They're pretty much a normal ingredient for Mexican and Italian food at our house. We also put them in pasta salads, sometimes with green ones also. That's it. Got to get back on the road to home later, Jenny. <laughs> I'm glad. That was almost a perfect email. That was incredible to me. <laughs> I love olives, and I'm glad that Jenny just stopped to write an email about olives to us. That made me really, really happy. Thank you, Jenny. Our next email is, we have back-to-back ones here. Nope, not yet. This okay. next email is from Jerry Robinson, subject line, COVID vaccine updates. Cool. How are you doing, Jerry? Really quick email. As of today, 421, I've received my second dose of Moderna, and Ileana just got her first dose yesterday. Well, congratulations to both of you. Congrats to both of you. You guys are getting on their way. I want to see if I can find an Instagram story. I want to say friend of the show, Melissa Lyman, posted it, but it might not have been her. No, it wasn't her. Some, somebody posted it. It was a picture. It's just a caption of a tweet. Bugging right now because I got Moderna, and I feel like all the hot people got Pfizer. Did you see the one that was the picture of... Trubisky, Mahomes, who was it, like Deshaun Watson or someone? And they were like Pfizer, Moderna, and then Trubisky was Johnson & Johnson. Did you see that? There's like, but there's been a bunch of memes like this. And it no, I have me. not, but... Uh, you get it, yeah. Feel, I, I get it. I feel like we got to destigmatize the J&J vaccine. We, yeah, we definitely need to. There's no, Yes, I agree, but... But it is, it's still pretty good. Yeah, it's six six people, man. It was, it was six people, like, yeah. Get your vaccine, everyone. I know the please. EU already said that they're going to. It's like it's it's so unlikely that they're just you know it's fine to do. Yeah, I got Moderna and now I'm embarrassed because I feel like hot people got Pfizer spiraling from <laughs> at Spencer Henry on Twitter. <laughs> well, I got Pfizer hair flip. I got Pfizer too. All right, got now what does that say? Now back to back emails from Nick Burris. It looks like he texted these in. I have no idea. No, he sent he he sent them via email. He says first email, hey everyone. Second email, Nick? I'm back. Been, bud? And that's it. You're back. Two emails. Perfect. Hey, everyone, I'm back. <laughs> I'm oh. glad you're back. And then our most recent email just came in on this episode while we were recording from the movie collector himself. Hey, fam, what's up? From Jason Dickinson. What's up, Jason? How are you doing, buddy? Hey, fam. Sup, hope all is well. Sorry I haven't written in in a while. Been very busy with my podcast. Can't wait for F9. Take care. Stay fast. Stay furious. Yes, I can't wait for F9 either, brother. Keep on keeping on. Glad to hear from you. That's all the emails for today. Family at cageclub.me. If you want to email in, thank you all so very much. Or if you want to, I guess you can send via Facebook or if you want to comment on YouTube. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find it, apparently. Good job, Joey. You found them all. Family at cageclub.me. You can also leave a review for us at Apple Podcasts or wherever. Please do iTunes. that. Yeah. And if you want to go to the store, too fast, too far, not shop. Cool stuff over there. Joe, there on is. the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? I mean, d- d- just spoiler hot takes about the trailer like that's it and i don't want to go over that with you so well someone today what tweeted at us i don't know who this person is but they're dominic toretto on twitter it's not i don't i don't think it's the real dominic toretto because <laughs> dominic toretto is a fictional character and i'm pretty sure it's not vin diesel if it's a vin diesel burner account it's pretty cool that's the fucking but, coolest thing i've ever heard if vin diesel sending burner account messages to us but yes go ahead <laughs> they tweeted at us that jason statham says fast and furious franchise quote better bring me back following the return of han so Jason Statham? Yeah, because you know he's in the spinoff. 
But Statham wants back in. I always assumed he would be back for 10, right? Like, kind of like The Rock, too? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to bring one back with the other, I don't think. There was a Q&A that Justin Lin did the, the day that the trailer came out. Okay. And he said something like, oh, yeah, I don't consider them in a different universe now. Like, they can come back in. It's like... Yeah, of course they could. Like, who's who's saying that they couldn't? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. That, I didn't, that was my I didn't response. I read the interview, because I didn't want spoilers, but, like, that was, like, the, the headline. Like, oh, yeah, they could come back, and it's like, yeah, we assume that they would. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why my take was, like, yeah, of JFC. course. JFC. Of course. The other news is that Vin is producing and starring in a Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. Still to be determined if he has beef with The Rock, but he is Rock'eming and Sock'eming all comers. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got, though. Young Rock, though, speaking of The Rock, Young Rock, episode nine. By the way, before we talk about this episode, uh, there are at least 11 episodes because Wikipedia added another one. Episode 11 in two weeks is called Election Day. So, okay. Okay. I so, guess we'll find out if he if he wins his election against uh, Taft, the great, great grandson of William Howard Taft. Yeah. Episode nine, A Lady Named Star Search. This was like kind of a mom, kind of a grandma episode yeah i i liked so there's a reference to san andreas early on i'm, I'm still yes. wondering if we're ever gonna get fast and furious but i liked what i liked about this is that we were just talking last episode little dewey not been around and he's here and i like that there's kind of like dad daddy little dewey goof arounds where like they're just like getting into fights and stuff it's pretty cool yeah this one was really good i think that now that we've had a couple high school episodes, I think that the most fun episodes are Young Dewey episodes and the college episodes. I also feel like the the little Dewey, it's at a point in his dad's life. Like, it's the same actor playing the dad in all three times, but, like, he seems to be having the most fun here because, like, he's, like, yes. in his element, in his youth, like, he's wrestling, he's active and whatever, and so he seems like it's a different kind of character, I think. I agree. It's not, like, depressing that his dad is working at some delivery company right as of now debunked wrestler right so uh we get some I, I won't spoil it in case you haven't watched it yet but some like kind of needless tv drama that how they're going to string something along they're like planning something and i'm like we don't need this oh yes 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 i agree that don't that need it don't need it don't need it i absolutely agree i was like but, i mean maybe it actually happened i think probably because that would explain some other things that happened but like He's doing a good job of making his family members very important characters in this show when the real main character, to me, what I want is to always be him. It feels interesting sometimes when he makes, like, his mom such a pivotal character or his grandma, like, like so in the limelight of the show. Because I get that they're, like, important to him, but to the viewer, the importance is him. Right. And what I liked about this is the, the it ends on a nice joke, especially since we were talking last time about how we're kind of tired of the framing device yes. that we come back, because this is all yes. like in a presidential debate, and they're just talking about, like, you know, what's your legacy going to be? And he tells this 20-minute-long story. That's the episode. Taft's great-great-grandson is like, that was your quick story? You exceed your lot of time by, what, 20 minutes? And then the episode ends. It's just yes. like... It was perfect. like, yeah. You know, they're aware that, like, he's just going on these, like, rambling monologues recounting a story of the time he was five and wanted to boogie board or whatever, right? But, like... Yeah, I, I really like the self-awareness to make that joke, considering we were like, you don't need this, and for them to be aware of it was like, okay, cool. I think we might eventually get to a point where, uh, I don't know, are they going to use this framing device forever? They probably shouldn't. I don't know. I have no idea. No I idea. Know either. 
I figure, I think we're, I think episode 11 is election day, but I feel like we're going to get toward 13 because I don't think we're going to end with the election. 11 is also a weird order for a season, unless it's like pilot plus 10, which I don't know if people do, but. I think it'd be 12. I'm feeling 12, right? Well, you felt 10 last week and you were wrong. So let's see well, if I this mean, one's right. It's going to end on an even number. That, so I was thinking 10. Okay, now we got 11. Why do you think even number? I mean, most, I think the, the a standard TV season, I think. Is 12. Maybe not anymore. Is 13. Is 13? Mm-hmm. I guess I never pay attention, dude. You're too busy scrolling IMDb by most searched for. <laughs> yeah, true. Or watching Temptation Island. Even then, I don't know how many fucking episodes there is, so. But New Young Rock tonight, episode 10, as this comes out in the main feed, then New Young Rock next week, election day, and then, I don't know, either zero, maybe. one, two, or maybe infinity. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> infinity? Infinity episodes of Young Rock. Two Young Rock, two forever. Exactly. Exactly. All right, the final thing to do before we take a break is the Fast and Furious Minute, Minute 7 from Too Fast, Too Furious. A minute I called from Monica to Monica? <laughs> Thirty-five large. Three, cinco. Pero no más de ahí. Seguro. Oh, no. Thirty-five large, huh? Either that or you can go home, bro. Yeah. It's all there. Better be. Damn, Suki. Uh, when you gonna pop my clutch, huh? As soon as you get the right set of tools. In this minute, the racers pony up the extra nickel to Tej. Brian sees Monica Fuentes in the crowd who's staring at him. He can't take his eyes off her. Tej instructs the crowd to back up away from the racers. That's it. That's, That's not, it. There's not a lot that goes on. No, there's not. And I, I even, like, I messaged you before this. I was like, am I missing something again? Because, like, nope. not a lot of signs going on. There's not a lot of car stuff. It's just, like, all faces and some dialogue, but, like, a lot of faces. More Spanish by both Orange Julius and Brian a little bit, which I cannot translate because I do not speak the language. And they don't subtitle it because it's nope. not important. There's just Spanish being talked. That's it. I was watching something recently. What was I watching where they were speaking German and like it wasn't, was it, oh, it was Bond. It was the Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I guess because Bond doesn't speak German, which makes sense, they don't subtitle it because it's just like people walking down the hallway speaking German. It's just like, well, why are you like, why is this dialogue perfectly audible if we're not supposed to know what they're saying? It's just like, cool, I get that people are speaking German, but like, you want to fill me in? I always, I hate that. And like, that's like one of my biggest, like, I wish I could, I wish I knew every language for those moments. To be like, just what? Are, and I know it's always going to be something fucking stupid, right? Because it's always going to be like, oh yeah, we are in Germany. How appropriate? And like, that's going to be what they say. Like, it's going to be something like that has nothing to do with the story because it can't right. if you don't subtitle it. I get upset that I don't know what they're saying. The thing of note, I think, in this in this minute is that we see the inside of Suki's car and there's all pink everything. And like even the gear shifters base is like pink fabric, which I think is kind of fabulous. Yes, that was um in the the video story that I put in the document that they actually used uh, bath mats, like rugs from that you would put in your bathroom. Oh, okay. That, that Sure. I was like, where would where would you get this much? Because it's either like 70s coats or yeah. I didn't know what. Or like, I guess like hats from 2003. Yeah. So they just like, you know, stitched 
seat covers that were just made out of bath mats. And you can see the in the video too, this is like the shot that you see the neon lighting, the pink neon lighting. And he like goes through and shows you how it's like really shitty installed. They only need it to look good in this shot. It doesn't need to be like fully functional in the car every day, right? So they just like hot glue gunned these neon lights to like the side of the car because that's the easiest way to do it for the movie for this three oh, seconds. By the way, speaking of this movie and this race that we're about to see, there was what? the breaking news last week that somebody jumped like, you know, a bridge was yes! going up and they ran yes! through the gate. And, you know, obviously everybody made the same joke, but I put in the verbatim quote, which we have not gotten to yet, but about the uh, Tej, you know, telling the guy like, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet or whatever the quote is. I don't know. Yeah. Fast and Furious in real life, baby. Real life. That's wild. I never want to ever do that. That sounds terrifying. I had a dream this afternoon that I fell down an elevator shaft and that was scary enough for me. Too slow. Too slow. The trivia question I have here, unless do you have anything else of note in this minute? There was no, I, I added some car stuff, but that there's really not much to add. There was no signs or anything either, so... So the only question I have, and I, I like this question a lot, I think, is what is the correct order in which the racers give Tej their entry fee? This sounds like a question that I will most definitely get wrong on the quiz. So I'm with you because we can't do another question about how much is 35 grad. So I have as the answer, there's six answers here, which also, by the way, if people have not noticed yet, the, the theme, the order that I put these trivia answers in is just alphabetical. And so like that also doesn't help anybody, right? No, so it's just like, it's, just, it's, it might be the first every time, but it's not because I'm putting the right answer first. It's just, it, if it's first every time, it's because it's alphabetically first. So that uh, makes the quiz maybe a little bit harder, but I have for all six answers here, Suki last, and then I have just a different combination of Brian, Orange, Julius, and Slapjack with the right answer being Orange, Julius, and then Brian, and then Slapjack. Because like in the same little meetup, Orange Julius pays and Brian pays and he goes over to Slapjack and he pays and Suki. I'm 100% going to think it's Orange Julius, Slapjack, then Brian. You're going to be wrong. And I'm always going to be wrong about this. I'm, I'm going to get Orange Julius first and then Brian and Slapjack are going to really break my brain. I want you to send this question to your friends because I don't know if you've been doing that for this time or not. No. But like this feels like the first one that they're going to be like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> I don't they haven't watched too fast as many oh, okay. times that's the that's why I haven't been sending them along gotcha they were like oh we've seen you know fa the first one like a million times like all of them were like super cocky about it so that's why they were getting all the questions from that because this one reminds me of the question we had in the first one which is like when Vince is bleeding out what does Dom let it, what did Dom Mia and <laughs> Brian do it reminded me more of the what's the correct button push sequence that Dom uses to oh, do God, the Dom's NOS. cool secret which I remember <laughs> the name of the minute but I don't remember what the actual I don't remember either I don't yeah, hazard lights and then or AC and then hazard lights or hazard lights then AC yes remember. it's one it's one or the other and you just have to toss up every time yep minute seven <sighs> seven minutes in seven questions in patrons have the availability to take the quiz nobody's taking the quiz yet I mean don't take the quiz there's seven questions there's no point yeah. wait till there's like 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 or something 50 I would wait till at least like 50 I think so, so you're telling people wait 43 weeks no I mean take it whatever the fuck you want I'm saying I think my first like real judgment is gonna be at about 50 that's like where you get like a good gauge of how fucked we are so, so come back in February 2022 yeah we'll get there take eventually. the quiz Let's take a break. Let's bring in the Mikester to kick off this three-episode, three-location series about Lone Wolf and Cub and Shogun Assassin.
episode number 176, Shogun Assassin. This episode is brought to you by Koss, the Italian designers of Ludovica and Roberto Palomba, who have won many awards for the coolest bathtubs I've ever seen. Shout out to Koss. Well, shout out to Koss, and welcome back to the show. As we've been talking about, we are on a three-episode, three-location, a little jaunt here. Yeah. We are doing a three-episode crossover with the resident story, Mike Manzi himself. Hello, Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome so back to the show. It's been a little you. bit while, a little, little while since you've been here. It's, it's been, been a while. It's been a minute. And, and speaking of bathtub sponsors, how about the bathhouses in these movies? Oh man! Oh, so, for sure. So many. Yeah. Well, we have lots of bathtub talk on the this lap in particular. We'll get to that. But I do want to clarify. So here's here's what we're doing. So if you do not know, Shogun Assassin here today. Plus, we're going to be talking about the first two Lone Wolf and Cub movies because that's what this movie's based on. Then on what day of the week is May 3rd? Do we know what day of the week May 3rd is? Uh, I think it's a Monday. Uh, Monday, May 3rd, we are doing Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, Jesus Christ. You'd think I'd be prepared. You do, you do <laughs> so much better. So On Monday, May 3rd, on Mike's podcast, Third Time to Charm, we're going to be talking about Lone Wolf and Cub Baby Cart to Hades, that's also known as Shogun Assassin 2, but I don't know if it actually, I don't know if that helps you find it. And then sometime after that, on our Patreon exclusive feed, Lone Wolf and Cub, Baby Cart and Peril, the fourth Lone Wolf and Cub, also known as Shogun Assassin 3. I don't know if that's going to help you either. All six of these movies are streamable on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. And then okay. the Shogun Assassin recut is also streamable on the Criterion channel, but not HBO Max. So oh. easily available. And also, you know, there's a blue, the beautiful Blu-ray box set too. Yeah, true. Before we started recording, you 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 brought up something that I wanted to talk about on air. That's not about this, but I want to, you know, it's something that we've talked about kind of on the show. Not this particular thing, but please go ahead. Right, yeah. I didn't know that this would uh, make it onto air, but uh, you kind of melted my mind a little bit the other day, Joey, when you posted a tweet saying, you know, it took 40-some-odd episodes of Seinfeld to realize that Jerry on Rick and Morty is the name of Morty's father. And then you were like, is there a Seinfeld connection with Jerry being the dad? And he kind of seems like him. And then I replied saying, well, on the show Seinfeld, Jerry's dad's name is Morty. And it like just shut me down for a few hours. You know, I just like one of those things that the revelation just burned me out for a minute. But yeah, that that's something else. So Joe, is this something that you had ever thought of or heard about no. before or no? Because Mike had I knew I knew what Mike said. I knew Jerry's dad was named Morty. I knew Rick and Morty. I knew his name was Jerry in the show, but I never made this connection before, and when you guys did it, I also was mind blown. It was wonderful. Because here's what happened. So I'm watching Seinfeld season four right now, and this is the season where he's pitching the show. He's basically pitching Seinfeld to NBC, but they don't really know what the show is yet. But this <laughs> okay. is the episode I was the watching Butler. called The Bubble Boy, where oh, they go up upstate. That. Oh, that's such a good episode, dude. It's the moops, you idiot. It's the moops. Nothing's finer than being in your diner. <laughs> yeah. There's a moment in this episode where Jerry does this thing with his face where he like puts his hands on his face and like just like looks exasperated. And I'm like, what? He looks like an animated character. And I don't know. I'm like, who does he look like? Who does he look like? Oh, he looks like Morty's dad. I'm like, wait a minute. Morty's dad. I think dad. Morty's dad is named Jerry. <laughs> he is. And I'm like, okay, so there's a there's a father figure or like, you know, kind of a neurotic middle-aged man named Jerry who like vaguely resembles Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And then when Mike was like, and then Jerry's dad is named Morty. And then I found on YouTube, there's a deleted scene from season one where they're watching its inter- interdimensional cable and- uh. 
they're watching interdimensional Jerry Seinfeld do stand-up shtick, but like it doesn't make any sense. And they're just like, I finally found one that connects with my generation or something. So <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if it's true or not, but like it's definitely true. Come on, Dan, like you're telling me Dan Harmon isn't a big Seinfeld fan. Like, well, yeah, it, it, fe- it feels like it's the kind of thing that like everybody had been talking about. When I heard, it, I'm like, I can't believe it took me this long, and it seems like I'm the first person to think of it, right? So like, I don't no. know. But there's like there's Reddit yeah. threads that are just like whatever. So it's yeah. crazy because there's like a long tradition in cartoons of sort of basing them off of famous people you know and like sure. even yeah voices like for looney tunes and stuff and it got like you know joe you're also going through the simpsons right and like half of mm-hmm. those voices are old you know movie stars uh impressions as well and everything like that so i wouldn't be surprised if it was not a coincidence like if they were sitting it's around not a and coincidence. They, yeah i don't think it is and i just think i don't know like it's just something that hasn't come to light yet or if it is like we just weren't aware it's just wild like i just love it now i love both shows even more yeah it's crazy that this wasn't super common knowledge i'm glad that somehow youtube put this together for me because that's awesome and now the show like and its listeners can sort of spread this and like you know the gospel spread the good word i think that's like you know so i am obviously like 20 to 30 years late on most of these Seinfeld and Simpsons things, but like it's they're not so burned into my psyche that like I'm able to look at them with kind of fresh eyes. And like, yes, m- most yeah. of them that doesn't actually help, that doesn't mean anything. But here, I'm just like, hey, wait a minute, I was also late to the game on Rick and Morty, too, right? So that could definitely be a part of it is just that like it's not in my consciousness at all. Like, Seinfeld is buried somewhere, like by itself you know yes. so like yep. <laughs> and almost the same with the simpsons like until i realized the simpsons is based off of everything in the world like and then i didn't hold it so sacred anymore or anything but like yeah definitely seinfeld that's wild it's its own it's it's, an, it's in its own mental category for me so like i could have never yeah. made this connection because like i'll watch rick and morty and be like obviously everything's influenced by seinfeld but like it's so locked away that so speaking of the simpsons this is the last detour i'm gonna take before i i have a great segue to bring it back in so don't you worry about it but there's a book that i read last year called the day of the locust there is a two-part like it's a two it's it's a novella like two novellas in one thing by this guy nathaniel west who like died at 29 or something he was in a car accident like really young this really talented writer there are these two stories wrote this thing called miss lonely hearts which is based on a like an advice columnist in new york and he wrote this thing called the day of the locust which takes place in la and it's just it's about how terrible la is basically Okay. Yeah, there's a there's an amazing movie about that. It's an incredible movie. Day of the Locust? Yeah. Very cool. Okay. But the main character, maybe, is it the main? It's not the main character. It's the, sec- it's the secondary character. Um, like, the main character's, like, best friend, like, the first guy he meets out in L.A., Homer Simpson. Just named Homer Simpson in a novel that came out in 1939. And so if you <laughs> look up, Matt Groening is like, oh, yeah, like, I named it after this character, which seems fucking insane wow. and can't possibly be true. But there's also, like, the idea that, like, he was named after Matt Groening's dad, Homer. But also, like, The Simpsons came from, or the first so thing Matt Groening did was Life is Hell, which is about, yeah. which is set in L.A. And so, like, he has this, Yeah. it's just, it's the, weird. Like, it blew my That's mind. It's very like, weird. This guy enters the room. His name is Homer Simpson. I'm like, what the fuck? From 1939? Like, what is what? And he's part of that sub-counterculture out there, too, Matt Groening, as an underground cartoonist and stuff. So, like, he'll he'll have tried to, you know, he uses, like, exploitation and stuff like that in his art and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was something. But, Joey, that reminds me of the movie Troll, Troll 1. There's a character named Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it's I've like, never seen Troll One. I've only seen Troll oh, Two, which is well, I think is the it's the one to watch. Yeah, Nilbog. Yeah, but to tie it into Seinfeld, uh, Joey Louis Dreyfus is in Troll One. So oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a kid, right or no? No, she's she's like I'd say she's right out of SNL. So what, like probably oh. 20, early twenties? Okay. I think. Cool. Nice tie-in. Here's how I'm going to segue back. Go ahead. Lone Wolf and Cub and Shogun Assassin has influenced a bunch of other things, just like The Simpsons and Seinfeld have. Most notably, Frank Miller has said his Sin City and Ronin series have been influenced by this. Mm -hmm. The novel, Mike, of particular note to us, Road to Perdition, a Hanks movie Mm. that I did not care for very much at all, which everybody else seemed to like, is in, quote, unabashed homage to this. Darren Aronofsky has been trying to get an American, like a Hollywood version of this made for so long. The craziest trivia is in March 2012, they announced that we're going to make a Hollywood version of it directed by Justin Lin. Yeah, baby. What? Awesome. Yeah. And then it, I don't, it never came. Nothing oh, came well. up. There's also, you know, um, movies like, like Logan, uh, shows like The Mandalorian. Like mm-hmm. this, there's, mm-hmm. there's a deep rich. Yeah rich sort of history of borrowing from this story. There's an episode of the first season of Person of Interest named Wolf and Cub. There's a Bob's Burgers episode called The Hawk and Chick, which is parody inspired by this. And then the last thing I have here on the list is The Mandalorian. But you're right, Mike. Absolutely. And it all came from manga as well. Like, I don't... I have have some. I have not been able to read it. My copy is extremely small, so I have to break out at my age. I have to break out the magnifying glass. Um, oh, as a 60-year-old awesome. man, your eyes are not what they used to be. <laughs> yeah. not, not quite. You know, my one eye, my one good one. But it's great. When you have like, a good eye, that's that means you're really old blood. <laughs> but like, it touches everything, right? So it's like print, video, like, I just, I, I don't know, is there an anime? I'm not sure if there's an anime, but it's definitely influenced anime and everything. So, so I have I have information about that, too. I'm glad you bring this up, because I want to make sure I get all this out of the way before we talk about these movies. So the manga, first published in 1970, 28 volumes, yeah. each with over 300 pages. So there's 8,700 pages, some 8,700 some odd pages in all. First came out in 1987 in America, translated by First Comics. They had covers drawn by Frank Miller, Bill Sankiewicz, Matt Wagner, Mike Plug, and Ray Lago. This company, First Comics, went bankrupt like three or four years later. They only released a third of the series. Mm. So then a decade later, Dark Horse comes in. They they re-release and complete the full series. And then there's a reimagined version in 2002 called Lone Wolf 2100, um, which has the writer of these movies' indirect involvement. It's a post-apocalyptic take on the tale. There's a female cub, a worldwide setting, stuff with science and, you know, renowned scientists and stuff and, like, evil corporations and stuff, which is kind of crazy. Sounds like maybe, yeah, like uh, Blade Runner-esque or something. I was thinking Blade Runner too, Mike. You took the thought. Cyberpunk. They took it cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's also other sequel series to this that I did not read because we're going to watch more of these movies. And even when we're not covering these anymore, I'm going to watch the six movies. So, like, I don't want to spoil, like... Oh, like, right, you know, right. at the end of the sixth movie, like, Lone Wolf dies. Like, I don't want to know that. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. I don't want to know that. Yeah. And apparently the manga was one of the main influences that helped libraries realize, oh, we should start stocking these. Like, the demand oh, was so high yeah. for these books, you know, especially the translated ones, that they're like, oh, we should, like, this is a real thing. And, like, it wasn't just this, but this is one of the ones that where people were like, oh, yeah, like, people want this. We should, you know, invest in this and make sure that they're available. Yeah. Do you mean in the sense that we should invest in 
like foreign novels because they're Japanese or the sense that you should invest in comics? I think graphic novels, like graphic okay. novels in general, like collected editions of things that people want to read. Because like, you know, right. yeah. you could you could shit on people be like, oh, all you read is comic books. But it's like, well, at least you're reading, right? Like at least you're, yeah. you're taking the time to read a thing. And so I think libraries always trying to get people There's to read. There's a lot and- of great, and I mean, we talk about this because we, we've had Heather on. There's a lot of comic books that are graphic novels that are like fucking awesome that are like some of the greatest stories that are written of our time so yes there's a place yeah and this was also sort of one of the earlier manga to make it to america as well and like all those names you rifled off joey like bill sinkevich etc like all those guys like they were they were superstars of like comic book genre and stuff and so like for them to be like this is what's hot and everything like it just spread throughout like the industry as far as the creators like the creators and it wasn't just like the story but the art as well you know like manga art influenced Mm-hmm. you know 90s american art so much in comics and everything and, and it was just starting to seep in and those guys were at the forefront and everything and so yeah that's that's really awesome to hear that also it helped libraries sort of take notice and say like you know collected editions comic books are literature all that kind of thing like yep. that was a big argument being stated especially also like around 85 when frank miller would do dark knight and Watchmen would be collected into mm-hmm. a trade paperback and stuff it was just like at that point there's no turning back the toothpaste is out of the tube so to speak truth There are two full-fledged television series based on the manga that have been broadcast to date. The first, Lone Wolf and Cub, was produced in uh, some word I can't pronounce format and broadcast from 73 to 76, um, 45-minute long episodes. Second episode was deleted from all rebroadcasts, and I don't know why. Interesting. Um, But they were like 26 or 27 episodes per season. Uh, it finally came out on DVD like 30 years later, but like just it what no subtitles. And so people were like, oh, I guess we just can't watch this show. And then eventually, like a couple years later or whatever, somebody else re-released it with, a, with subtitles. So like, I don't know how available they are, but I think you can kind of get your hands on them if you want to watch this three season show. And then there was a TV series from 2002 to 2004 that's not available on DVD, but also, it's just another thing called Lone Wolf and Cub. And there was also a an arcade game, like a, 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 a console, really? like a tower, whatever. It's called Samurai Assassin, but mm-hmm. you have a cart with, I think, a kid. Oh, no, he's carrying his infant son on his back, and there's a baby cart power-up that lets you mow down enemies with blasts of fire, um, which is which sounds pretty awesome. Well, who made the only game? released in arcades. Who made the game? Because it sounds like it was in that, like... It, Nichibutsu? It, I don't know. N-I-C-H-I-B-U-T-S-U. I don't know if it was in America or Japan or both. Doesn't say here on Wiki, but it's okay. came out in 1987 only in arcades. But the craziest thing of all, go ahead. In terms of the the backstory here, and then we can talk about this. The movie is all six of these, all six Lone Wolf and Cub came out between 72 and 74. The first three hmm. all were by the same writer and director, I think, and they all came out like they did them like back to back to back. And then the fourth one, I think, also comes out in 72. So they released four of these in one year. Jesus. Sounds like Marvel. <laughs> and then there's one in 73 and there's one in 74. You got to do it before the kid grows up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, Marvel isn't like one writer director set of actors, right? So it's like, right. that's crazy. And from what I understand, it's. Yeah. Oh, and the kid who plays Daigoro, he only ever acted as this kid. Like he's in all six movies and then just never oh. acted again. So, wow. I mean, he's acting, but he's not acting, right? Like he's yeah. 
And kind guys, of existing. D- did it dawn on you, Daigoro and Grogu? It's like so similar, <laughs> just sure. like yeah. completely lifted. Uh, it's it's crazy how much like other media there is based around this stuff. I I got my hands on that first series of the TV show and watched one of the discs, and yeah, it's way different. Well, I wouldn't say way different. It's just different, told in a different order and. They can take more time with the TV show and stuff, but uh, so far I like the movies better. I like the the compact, sort of direct, sort of storytelling in the movies a little bit more. It's it's crazy. The styling how much there is. is this. I'm assuming that the styling can't touch this. From what I remember when I was watching it, it's not nearly like as blood soaked. Um, yes. I don't think they could get away with all that on television. Not not as much nudity either, from what I understand. Now, Joe, did you watch the Lone Wolf and Cub movies or just Shogun Assassin? I have only ever watched Shogun Assassin. I've never watched any of the further Lone Wolf and Cub movies. I read, I think, the first Lone Wolf and Cub novel. Like the first manga of the 28? Maybe the first or the first three. I don't remember because it was like in a weird, I had like a digital format. So it was like all of them. I don't know how far it was. But no, I only have ever seen Shogun Assassin, so I'm very excited to continue with this because I want to see the rest of them. Because it's, and Mike, you watched the first two Lone Wolf Cub, I think I saw, right? Yeah, and prior to yeah. that, I had only seen Shogun Assassin, so those right. were my first time watching the uncut stuff. I saw Shogun Assassin for the third time last night, and then today I watched one and two. Joe, they pulled like a game of death. Like, they completely retextualized a lot of stuff, and like, I don't oh, know that yeah. Shogun Assassin is bad, but like, the Lone first two are definitely... Much absolutely worth seeing because like oh. i think the first one in particular it's like they frame why he is doing what he's doing in a much more meaningful and impactful way because like shogun assassin is 85 minutes i think and it's like 70 of the second movie and 10 of the first movie plus a couple of minutes of credits so like okay. they almost entirely eradicate the first movie and then they take stuff and they recontextualize and they spin stuff in the second movie yeah. I was kind of, like, I, I was expecting the originals to be better, but, like, I think Shogun Assassin is still good, but, like, it it's it's weird. Would you, like, Mike, do you think it's good or bad or just weird and different? <laughs> so, it's weird and different. Like, I like it. It reminds me of what they ended up doing with a lot of the Godzilla stuff by, like, recutting it, overdubbing it, changing storylines, omitting stuff, adding stuff, like, just completely having their way with it. And that's kind of what they did with Shogun Assassin, only I feel like it's kind of, at times, more awesome because... I I really like the voiceover. I like the music. And I, here, here's the difference, right? Like, it okay. feels like Shogun Assassin is from the perspective of the boy, and yep. Lone Wolf and Cub is more from the perspective of the adult. Of the, of the oh, almost father. entirely from the perspective of the adult. Yeah. Like the kid, like yeah. doesn't do anything. Uh... Right, right. So it's kind of like watch them both and you get the whole story you know yeah. it's two totally different perspectives of the same situations and you don't have dubbing in the in the first no. ones no. Nope. no 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 see i love the dubbing in this it's like one of my favorite parts about these kind of movies like obviously they get shit on for like you know being bad translations a lot of the time when they dub these movies but i find something like so comforting about the dubbings like they're just like a weird they're just so weird and zany and like the laughing and stuff like that and that's why i never really pushed to watch them separately because i was like i don't know if you could beat this dubbing so there's a real split decision on letterbox about shogun assassin like okay there's one person i follow who gave it one star is like this shouldn't even exist it's like well i mean it brought it to america like without it 
True. It wouldn't be in Kill Bill. Like, we might not know it, right? Like, there's yeah. a chance that, like, it's fine. Like, I don't think... Wu-Tang. Also, yeah, like, the, the jizz of, like, the entire Liquid Swords album is basically entirely sampled from Shogun Assassin. Like, it's just, yeah. like... I think to to reference somebody who's not here but is often who's forever in our hearts, uh, Brian Slumber Party Rodriguez, to use his word, like, I think Shogun Assassin is more iconic because of the way that it has influenced, like, the Jizz and Wu-Tang and everything like that. Like, yes. I think... Because, like, yeah. when I think of that movie, the first thing I think of is a little kid talking, and, like, that's not at all in Lone Wolf and Cub. And then the other <laughs> totally badass awesome thing, which, Mike, you mentioned, is, like, the synthy score by Mark Lindsay of the Paul Revere Band, whatever. Like, it rules. And, like, the it's original so good, music yeah. is good, but, like, this is, like, it recontextualizes it in a totally different way, yeah. in a good way, I think. Like, not that the original is bad, but, like, the music that they bring to Shogun Assassin is just, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's the so good. It's like, fucking awesome. it rivals The Shining at times with, like, like I would love yeah. to hear this score in that movie. But, but Joey, I think you hit on something where it's, like, it's, like, the reputation of this film is so, like, steeped in mystery to me. Like, I remember as a kid hearing, like, rumors about it existing. Like, it, it was an underground bootleg for a long time. Like, you could only get it, like, at comic conventions, from what I understand. Like, I have a bootleg like you know oh, really? I popped it in I popped it in the other day and I was like oh fuck I forgot like this looks like shit like it's totally just like <laughs> a VCR rip I got when you know like in 2000 or something like that to replace my tape I was like holy crap and it's what I'm used to I think it's just what everybody's really used to that's great I think there's there's merit to that like that deserves some stars um and as you also said like it there's a quite possibly the, the uh, possibility that um, it kind of like revived the entire yeah. series and saved a lot of like, you know, the old films, maybe even in the show and getting the popularity up and again. And for even for the Criterion collection to release it, you know, it's prestigious now. And so like yeah. it's got its place in history. And like what's cool is that the, on the Criterion, so the Criterion Blu-ray is three discs. And in the first movie, there's the three movies. Second disc, there's the, the, the movies four through six. And then the third disc has Shogun Assassin remastered by Criterion, which is amazing. And then all the bonus features and stuff and whatever. I don't know if we would know the answer, but, you know, we did Lady Snowblood because Tarantino ripped entire things from that, like yeah. in the Oren Ishii stuff, right? Yep. And we're doing this because it's referenced, I'm not going to spoil why or how or when, but it's referenced <laughs> in Kill Bill 2, right? And yeah. I'm wondering if, like, if, if Shogun Assassin never existed, would the movie have been in that scene oh, it's Lone Wolf and Cub. Because I can see, like, it's the same thing, right? You just wouldn't hear, because you don't see the movie, I don't think. You just yeah. hear the kid talking, and that's And she cool. says, I want to watch Shogun Assassin tonight. We won't say who that she is. It, it's interesting, though, because I feel like he, I don't know that it would, because it seems to be in there for that specific dialogue in Shogun Assassin, and Lone Wolf and Cub doesn't have any of that. But then again, right. Tarantino might still be referencing that because he's such a film geek or whatever, like he would still yeah. know. Thematically and like character-wise, it correlates. I'm sure he yeah. would have found another movie also, you know, <laughs> like, but that's what else is so kind of special about Shogun Assassin is that like most of my other kind of um, like bootleg tapes are Kung Fu, you know, like the Shaolin stuff, right. you know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a hell of a lot of samurai movies. They're a lot harder to come across. I think there were just sort of less of them. This, if this is the only one you can get your hands on, like you're going to, you're going to love it to bits. Right. And it's got plenty of reason for you to love it. I mean, it's an amazing flick like dude it's so cool this is one of 
the only movies that I have shown to a bunch of people that gets like great reception every time. I show this to my friends, like people will be like, I love Wu Tang, and I'll be like, Do you ever see Shogun Assassin? They're like, I fucking love this. They're like, I love Kung Fu movies. You're like, Do you ever see Shogun Assassin? Like, fucking love it. Like, if you're fans of Tarantino, you watch this and you're like, Oh my god, yeah, I see everything in it. So like like I put it on in a room full of people that had no correlate like they all had their own reasons for why they would enjoy it and everybody was like this movie's amazing. I think what also what this movie does well is that it's accessible. Like it's yep. that same like you yep. can't show you can't be like hey so like this is a really cool movie but like it's subtitled people are like nah, yep. no like just because like the attitude toward those kind of movies Again, I don't know if one's better than the other. I do think that watching the first two, because like, you know, we're, we're besieged by so many origin stories today, and yet people who watch only watch Shogun Assassin don't really know the origin story of the Lone Wolf. Right? It just it's this weird like of, of what Ito does. Like it just it, there's there's so much of the yeah. first movie that just gets left behind. I think the the right way to watch it maybe is be like okay here watch Shogun Assassin and then okay now there's six movies go watch all six of those um, yeah you guys convinced me I'm gonna go back and watch the first two before we do three for sure I absolutely agree with that I absolutely agree with that and I'm glad that's the way I sort of came to it because uh, you go back it's almost like watching a prequel because so little of that film is used and what is used is sort of you know altered in a lot of ways as far as like what they're talking about and things and one thing that first movie which I like a little less than that. I think the second movie is fucking great. Like, I think it's amazing. It's such an awesome movie. But the first one, it's really kind of mired with a lot of exposition, a lot of politics, a lot of clan feuding. And, and it's kind of dizzying and hard to get a hold of. And if that was the mm. first thing you watched, you might be a little turned off, you know? But if you know, having watched Shogun Assassins, that this guy's going to rip shit up, then, like, you <laughs> you know, like, you might yeah. be a little more invested into why, into how he but got there. You see, there. and, like, I, I agree. I think the second one's probably more fun, but, like, I like the first one more maybe because it was new because like mm. so much of of the second one is like it's not exactly shogun assassin but like it's mostly yeah and so the first True. one like oh this is almost all brand new and there's like a lot of cool stuff in it i mean they're all they're all good and i was originally like i was trying to figure out if i was going to watch one two then shogun and then i i was like i think that's probably what i'm gonna do and like you know just kind of like half watch shogun because like i've seen it before and you know yeah. i had literally just sort of seen it with the two movies and then just the way that like my week panned out, I was like, oh, I got I, I can't watch like I'll I'll watch Shogun Assassin first. And I'm glad I did because it like it rebrings you into the world if you've seen it before, and then you sort of see where it came from. And I mentioned earlier, like it, it kind of game of deaths it because like in, in a way, like it's not because Bruce Lee died and they're trying to finish a movie, but it's like okay, we have this these two things. Like how do we make this? How do we recut it in a way? It still makes sense, yeah. Because like in Baby Car the River Sticks, like the second one, like so Shogun Assassin he turns against the shogun and like the big thing he's killed at the end is like the shogun's brother right like he's being yeah. e you know, escorted back that's not at all the story in two like the story in two is that like this town is like cooking the books basically and making way more money because of this like illegal indigo dying scheme like mm. underground ring right, and so yeah. the guy that's being <laughs> transported gonna, like he's a turncoat that's going to the shogun to be like hey here's how they make money let's cut them out and kill them and like make the money ourselves and so like it's the same scene but as different meaning and like it's just it, it, it yeah. it's not again one's not better than the other but like i'm like i don't remember indigo at all in Shogun <laughs> and it's, it's because it's not it's not yeah it, it's amazing though but that's like 
that is the fucking power of cinema, man. Like, you can, you know, juxtapose any two shots to create a new meaning, right? Like, you can take this footage, and, I mean, it almost reminds me of, you know, Snyder Cut, right? Like, look at Justice yep. League and look at Snyder. It's like the same footage, but two different people got their hands on it, and they're going to rearrange it and change it in different ways and make you feel different ways. About so that it. actually reminds me, and I can't believe I didn't think of this, like, with what I had in my head, but there's a new show on Showtime's app and VOD <laughs> called Cinema. Toast. Okay, but you think about that. So here, I'm just surprised that this hasn't happened before. Okay. But I read about this on Metacritic. So it's an anthology series that Jay Duplass, Mark Duplass's brother, like they make oh, yeah, yeah. everything for everybody. Yeah. But they read they took public domain movies and they re-edited and redubbed them to create new stories. Oh, and there's nice. like Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally and Allison Brie and Fred Armisen and I, like just it's okay, filled so, with people. Yeah. But like it's the same thing. It's like what can we have? What exists in the world that we can like cheaply, inexpensively with you know COVID safe whatever now like how do we retell a story? And the same thing like again my power of cinema. I don't know if this is good or not. I haven't watched it yet but like it's it's crazy that like how, that, that, that is, that's it even possible. I can't believe that that's not done more often, right? Like, yeah. don't you think that, like, a bunch of, like, film oh, students would be like, so. okay, look, we can't afford to shoot a movie, but if we just take, like, the same guy from these six movies... Well, Mike, that's what you, you, you've you been talking about on, the, on Monsters Made Us, too, right? Like, they used to do that back in the day. Like, shooting things and reusing things and, like... Yeah, yeah, taking well, Michael old Bay footage. Does. Right, right. Sort of, yeah, reusing footage from silent films that someone may not have seen or, or anything like that. But, like, there is a huge example that I think that would sort of clarify, at least... For me, it makes makes all this make a lot more sense, too, is the original Godzilla movie, when it came over to America, it was retitled Godzilla King of the Monsters and recut. They had an American actor basically shot new scenes and inserted his storyline into the movie. And what it does is it crosses the translation barrier like things get lost in translation all the time if you try to do like a direct adaptation or bring it over exactly as it is so you have to recontextualize things for a different audience on the other side of the world that are just used to different things you know that wouldn't understand one thing being called something so you have to have it called something else that you're more familiar with or or what have you but i think this and that godzilla that first godzilla are like really great examples of you know these kinds of experiments um successful ones i'll say that you know what i'm saying like yeah. it happens all the time but that first american godzilla version it's so it's just from a completely different perspective very much in the way they did uh these movies the way they recut these. The other difficulty is that not only just like in the societal things that don't translate or, you know, historical things, because like all of Godzilla comes from the fact that they got nuclear bombed by, uh, like, right? Like it's all yeah. like fear. Yeah. It's like all, yeah. like everything in Japan to a certain extent has like been predicated on the fact that they were bombed in World War II. And it's just like, how do we recover from this? Essentially, like, what are our fears? How do they manifest? Whatever. And so like, we, we have a different experience, right? Like we didn't get bombed. And so like, it's just like, oh, cool. Big, big lizard guy, right? Like it's a different yeah. thing. Yeah. The other nuance, I think, is language. At the end of Shogun Assassin, when he fights these three brothers, who I think in Shogun Assassin, they're called the Masters of Death, which yeah. is way cooler than like, they're just called Ben, Te ben Ten Rai, the, the, oh, yeah, the three the, assassins. It's just like, okay. The Monks of Death, because that's yeah. their names. Ben, Ten, and Rai are their names. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, Shogun, point Shogun Assassin. Like, you, you made that a little bit better. <laughs> that one guy gets cut and he has that line. He's like, your technique is magnificent when cut across the neck. Yeah. A sound like wailing winter winds is heard. I'd always hope to cut someone like that someday to hear that sound. But to have it happen to my own neck is ridiculous. And like, it's funny. And it's just like, and then he dies, right? 
uh, in Lone Wolf and Cub, it's so much more flowery and poetic and like maybe yeah. cooler. He says, my neck, my own. And this is, again, it's translated in the subtitles, but it's him just speaking it. So again, this might not be verbatim, but he says, my neck, my own neck. It sounds like it's wailing. My neck was sliced open diagonally. The cut wails like a cold winter wind. They call it Mugari Bu, the whistle of a fallen tiger. I've always wished to kill someone just once and create such a fine cut as to sing this tune. Now I'm hearing it from my own neck. What a laugh. At the end of the day, like the context is the same, right? Like I mm-hmm. wanted to hear the sound. I always heard the sound. It happened to me. That sucks. Like that, like what, right? But like there's something so much more meaningful, I think, about the original. It's funnier in, in Shogun Assassin. Like I think it's, again, you know, iconic. I'm sure that just like use that line somewhere. But there's something that feels grander about the original. And I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. But like it just, it's a different kind of thing because like you're not translating to fit this other medium i think i think you hit something else too where you said it's grander i think everything in lone wolf and cub feels more important and grander and like the stakes seem higher you know it's it's ultimately different different filmmaking style and everything is way more extended and held longer and feels like it has so much more importance and so like when you get you know a scene like not just a scene like that but like you take the two situations on the boat joey right where like the boat is set on fire in shogun assassin right. and it's like mm-hmm. easy breezy they're right out there but in lone wolf and cub it's a whole fucking thing like it's you know he's got to find a way up you see them get out like he pull vaults he throws the, like it's insane like i feel like it's much longer and everything just seems to have more importance to it and i'm you know possibly that all comes from having it to be truncated picking and choosing what they want to use yeah. and then of course translating things the best that they probably could and then again on another level the director wanting to make this scene end with a laugh or something like that or anything else because you know i think that was smart it almost gets a little too dire in the originals like it almost lacks <laughs> a sense of humor you know and when you have blood splurting and flying the way it right. does spraying like in supernatural formations and things like you need some of this comic relief basically and like i think i'll split the difference on on this on this uh, comparison. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to dwell too much on the movies that Joe hasn't seen, but I think that there's like other things that like, why, by watching the, by not combining them, like by having the first movie where like this life feels exhausting, whether you're in the Shogun Assassin world or the Lone Wolf and Cub world, like this dude is just killing dudes and just like on the, like he can never really run. stay still. Always. And you know, he's killed 345 people or whatever. Like there's a little joke there about by the Cubs, like 342, uh, 345. The second movie begins and like there's this kind of like horror music where there's like twangy sounds that like he's like constantly looking over his shoulder and you can't really do that when it's one movie. But because we've already seen an entire movie of his, you have the ability to like have a backstory for him where he's like worried that he's going to be killed by literally anyone because he's crossed everyone. Right. And then at the end of the second movie, like we don't see what happens to the Supreme Ninja, like that badass lady who has like, you know, the Suki of that world where she's got all the female assassins (laughs) that like go out and do their thing. But like, she still has the greatest thing where she jumps out of her clothes and like (laughs) hops backwards. Hops backwards. Man, it's the weirdest thing in any of these movies. But like at the end in Shogun Assassin, he doesn't kill her because he knows that she's going to have to go back to the Shogun and admit that she failed and then kill herself out of shame, right? But in Lone Wolf and Cub, she's in the final shot and she's not dead. That's all, that's sadder. Like, that's like a more impactful, like, kind of like bigger burn. But like, I don't think you have the time to have that 
when you're doing two movies right. in 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her entire arc is pretty much eliminated, you know, probably just for expedience and everything. And yeah, I get a whole different sort of sense of her as a character in both movies, right? <laughs> like, I think um, at the end, yeah, it's way more tragic, I guess. I don't know. She just seems to be way more conflicted. She wants to be with the wolf, but he's now leading the life of a demon and must walk alone with his son, and <laughs> she cannot compare. There's a lot There's a lot more going on in, in those, but oh, one thing you did touch on, though, that, that, I, uh, that I definitely agree with is, like, we had that first movie, Joey, so, like, you're right, in the second movie, it's just, they waste no time. Like, it is, it is just sort of, like, way more action-packed. You know, there's a lot less sort of like fussing around or any of that kind of thing. And so like they're able to just jump into the action and get into the yeah. adventure and all that kind of thing. And I and I expect that to be sort of down the line. What we can uh, come to see is just like more of these sort of quests that he goes on. I genuinely have no idea where they go. And like all these titles are like baby card in hell, baby card <laughs> yeah. in Hades, baby card in the river sticks. It's like, I don't know what this means. Like, yeah, Dude. like he's haunted. Like, I don't get, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's not like baby card versus the Shogun or something, right? Like, it's, I don't, I don't know. The American titles are incredible. Lightning swords of death, slashing blades of carnage, five fistsfuls <laughs> of gold, cold rolled to hell. The title card of the first movie where he's walking down that road and he's got red flames on his right and blue flames on his left. I'm like, oh my this God. fucking rules. Like, this is the coolest <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh, I'm in already. Like, this, you know, like four minutes and I'm like, oh, this is this is the right decision. Like watching these together. But okay. So, Joe, let's talk about Shogun Assassin. What do you love about this movie? Favorite scenes, favorite moments, cool moments? Coolest moments. It's so hard to pick coolest moments. Like, as I was watching through it, I was like, what can I pick? I think that for me, in Shogun Assassin, the absolute coolest moment is him throwing the sword through the wall and just like oh, yeah. catching that guy and just having, they're like, how do we know that you're a badass? And he just like throws a sword through the wall and kills the man that was like hiding the Shogun there. could have sent him. Who knows? That, yeah. That's his deal. Like later he'll throw the sword at the guy in the desert and the guy's like, wait. You could, like, throw your sword? Like, <laughs> like, what? You could do that? I didn't know we could do that. Ugh. And also, like, it feels like in this era, like, guns are just starting to become a thing. Because, like, in the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, like, in both movies, there's, like, a guy with a gun. There's, like, like the bottom of the baby cart is bulletproof. You know, yeah, like, the, the, the historical stories behind this, right? That, like, Japan was closed, so they didn't have guns. And then, like, when the Dutch came over and, like, started trading, like, one of the first things they traded them were guns. Being Japanese, they, like, took the guns and they were like, okay, cool, we can just make these now. Like, they just got, like, three of them or something. And we're like, let's recast them. You got to listen to the Ninja Turtles 3 episode of Third Times a Charm, Joey, uh, because <laughs> Joe 2 mentions that on the episode also. Believe it or yeah. not, that came up. We're like, are there, why are there guns back then? And Joe just dropped that same science. <laughs> yeah. And think, like, you don't have the internet for everyone to be like, oh, yeah, we have guns now. So <laughs> they're still like samurai. Because in these movies, they're like, oh, and they got a guy with a gun. <laughs> we we're, we have no shot against that. It's just like, yeah, one guy with a gun. I mean, you know, yeah. they got a gun. Like, we, we can't win. Like, we, we need to hire the best assassin in the land because they got the yep. one guy with the gun. Like, we gotta we don't have a chance. Like, we have cool killers, but, like, we got no, we got no shot. Something that I noticed when I was watching it this time is that it plays so well with silence. And, like, as cool as we think the score and soundtrack is, there's lots of moments where they use, like, total quiet. It works so well. And I think that that's such a hard thing for me to do. Like, the empty space thing lets stuff fill in itself. Amazing to me when I watch this movie. Like, and it was jarring because, like, we've been watching so much stuff that has, it's just, like, 
all sound all the time. So for him to like start the movie and just have like that part where it's just like just feet patter. Well, it's like the calm before the storm, right? Like yeah. shit's about to go down. Like let's take a moment. Mm-hmm. And it really lets you enjoy what's about to happen. And there's one part in The Lone Wolf Cub, and I don't remember, I know it's a scene that's in Shogun Assassin, but I don't remember if it's the same thing, but I think there's one part, I think, where they intentionally mute, because he's holding the cub, and he's just bawling. He's just, yeah, like the, yeah. the actor is just <laughs> shouting, like, I don't want to be doing this. And then they dub voiceover for, like, you know, like, Lone Wolf is, like, saying stuff. But I'm like, oh, I know why that. I know why there's no sound here. It's because this kid was shouting on set. They're like, this is the one we're going with. Yeah, it's also great, too, because, like, if when if you're getting used to just hearing, like, selected sounds in a certain scene, like, you're just hearing the footsteps or you're just hearing the leaves rattle, when these guys get cut, when you mm-hmm. hear that blood spray, that is what I feel like they're building toward, you know, is to, like, get you accustomed to sort of, you know, the impact of, of one sound. And it's also kind of seems like that's what the samurai or you know the the lone wolf like his his sort of like level of perception he's like zoning in on all these little things at these times the originals also cut to silence a lot like a lot more than i was expecting it drops out and i think it is to sort of like sharpen the impact when the sound hits and be like okay yeah it's very much more meaningful and stuff now that you brought it up like the blood spray the blood sound and the color that they use is all just amazing I can see why so many filmmakers have just, like, totally tried to jack this, because it's just, like, it's so cool. Like, the first time you see this, you're just like, it's amazing, and, like, I want to do this in every... (laughs) It must be, like, what Kanye feels like when he discovered, like, autotune, you know what I mean? He's just like, yep, like, we're just gonna do that all the time now. Like, that's exactly what I want. It, It just seems so much different from, like, the Kung Fu stuff, which is, like, way faster, and, like, guys are getting cut all the time, but they're still fighting with their guts hanging out, and they're, like, not effective here it's like one hit Mm -hmm. and you're dead and like you die this spectacular like romantic death of like that spray in the air and every it's like so it just everything has such an impact It, it, it feels so meaningful i really enjoy the like cut four people they all pause and then fall at the same time that makes it feel more theatrical Everything about this movie makes me so happy when I watch it. Like, it's just very, very awesome to me. There is a trend, which, Mike, you mentioned earlier, but a there's actually two trends that we've noticed this lap that both show up here again. Um, but the bathroom thing, like you talked about the outdoor, like the saunas and stuff, Brian has been bringing our attention to the fact that, like, there's a lot of bathroom stuff in a lot of Japanese movies. We're like, oh, I don't know if that's true or not. And then we're like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's very true. Like, they're in everywhere. Everywhere. In Shogun Assassin, there is the line... Sometimes the kid says, sometimes you have to take a chance if you want to take a bath. And I was like, hell yeah, kid, you get it. Dude, (laughs) I, we use that line in my household so often. I butchered it. And I said, sometimes you got to take a risk if you want to take a bath. But like, we use that line all the time when it's like, oh, I'm going to take a shower. It it just happens so often because like that is burned into my brain in in this weird way because it's just such like a goofy line from this. Yeah. And like, again, to prove the point I think we were making before is that like, that's more memorable than what it is in Lone Wolf and Cub. But like in Lone Wolf and Cub, they go to this place and like they're walking down the street and everyone's like, please come in, please stay with us. Like there's all these different like inns or hotels or whatever. And they go in one and the owner's like, they don't have money. Look at them. Look, they're poor. Like they don't have money. And like, they're going to, you know, take our services and run out without paying the bill. He's like, oh, here's the five. Here's here's my, you know, my fee for killing a person. Like, can you just hold on to this money for us? And the guy's like, oh, my God. Like, thank you so much, sir. Like, we're so sorry. Like, here. And then that's when the kid, like, splashes the guy in the face. He's like, fuck you. Like, just like, you know, we're not poor. We just, you know, 
don't have a home, right? Like, yeah. it's a different thing. Like, it's a cool thing. But again, like, there's it's not more memorable than sometimes you have to take a chance if you want to take a bath. But, like, it kind of is better. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, they both work. I, I love how intuitive the kid is. Like, how, you know, he picks up on when... I, I, like, he picks up on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can tell, like, he's not wanted. And then suddenly he's wanted. So he's going to, like, take advantage of that. But he's only one years old. Like, how does he know that? Because he's this guy's kid. And, like, later he'll even score a kill in one of the movies. <laughs> yes. Like, it's wild. And also, in that first Lone Wolf and Cub, Joe, if you remember, they go to that one town that's, like, overrun with bandits. And they're hanging out at the other bathhouse with, like, yep. the prostitute. And he just, like, has sex oh, with her in front of everybody. The, the it's like, what? Is the best thing that It's the best <laughs> thing that gets cut from either movie, I think. Because... She's in the she's in Shogun Assassin, I think, right? I think there's a shot of her. So he's going to this like this town where there's like all these hot springs, right? And he okay. walks up there, and there's just a woman being like brutally raped on the street, and it's like, oh Jesus Christ! And then she's just she's killed and left for dead there. It's just like it's awful. Like he just walks into this town. This is where the band of people he's trying to kill have wound up, and they've like chased or they've killed or there's like no women left in town. There's only one prostitute left. Like why do they want him to have sex with her? Just like so that they can like shame him? I think. So I think the the idea was like. um they basically were like, someone's going to do it, you know? It's going to be one of us. And he's like, no, like, I'll do it. He get, and, then for, and then he does it, and he just lays on top of her instead of raping her. You know, and that's like his, mm. his idea is like, I'll volunteer. And the idea is like, I'll volunteer because I'm not going to. I'm not going to force myself on her or anything. He just lays on top of her from what I remember. But then uh, and- what's great is that she's like, imagine like none of you could have gotten it up when you were like terrified for your life. But this guy, he knew how to satisfy a woman. They're like, oh, God damn it. And then like at the end, <laughs> like when there's the big battle, like he just like tips the baby cart and like she comes and like rescues the baby and like, you know, just gets out of there. But like he does her a solid no pun intended, and then, you know, she gets his back, right? So, like, it's just, it's, it's a whole cool subplot that just is not really in the the Shogun Assassin at all, because, like, there's only 10 minutes of this movie, and, like, it's kind of like all the flashback stuff. It's, like, the wife, but, like, like the wife getting murdered is, like, such a longer sequence, Ugh. and there's, like, the, the sword versus the ball, like, that's, The sword like, versus the ball thing so is, is so yeah. fucking cool. The dubbing and the weird language of it makes it so much more memorable to me. Like, it's the coolest scene ever to begin with, but then and like the like choose the ball or choose the sword choose the choose sword death. and you will join me choose the ball and you will join your mother in death you don't understand me but you must choose so <laughs> yes. come son choose life or death <laughs> yes come son choose life or death is and then later in the blood. movie later in the movie when like they're you know the when baby on when, the well when, when cub yeah when cub gets kidnapped <laughs> and is dangling over the well and they're like we'll kill him and and Ido goes kill him if you dare my son and i have already embraced our fate i'm like no he hasn't he's like three (laughs) he still doesn't understand yeah he says something in in lone wolf and cub he says the line's closer to like your mom's waiting for you in hades don't worry (laughs) (laughs) What? it's insane it's so good it's so good one thing i don't understand about either of these movies is why when they're on the boat and they strip down to stay warm what is the kid doing, like, knocking on nipples? Because he knocks on both of their nipples. And it's like, I don't, like, what, is this the thing that I... <sighs> oh, so I think what that is from, Joey, if you remember in, in in Lone Wolf 1, it's also, like, not only is he an assassin for hire, but you could rent his kid out for stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where, like, this crazy woman who... Who lost a baby, yeah. Lost her baby comes running up to the baby car and takes the kid and br- starts breastfeeding it. Uh, mm. And then the grandma, like, tries to compensate and 
Shogun's like, I mean, the so you think he just like, sees a nipple and thinks milk's going to come out of it. Well, yeah. So I think what was going okay. on there is he was checking to see if the bottle was like ripe. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, like, <laughs> he's just checking to see like, is there any milk? I honestly like, I think he was just like, You're it's probably one right. of those innocent baby moments because there was, I think, a, a scene where he looks at his dad's nipples and he's like, those aren't right. Thing in Lone Wolf and Cub, he knocks on his dad once. And then he goes up a woman like this looks this looks more right and then like knocks again like he's just like using his finger to, like sort of like strum like it's a, like a guitar and just like and like nothing can happen like he does it again like he he goes back to that proverbial well right because he's like this feels like something should come out of here but you know again he's three like he doesn't he yeah. doesn't know anything he's probably just hungry yeah and I think it's a lot for the reaction of the woman too to be like oh my god like I never thought like I'd be able to be a someone that could care for something or anyone would depend on me like this or you know what I'm saying like it almost seems yeah. like it's more done for the reaction of who it's done to and stuff to be like have this realization like oh my god we're all so like exposed right now and she's not being used to that ever and but it's a crazy scene i mean <laughs> it is fucking wild to see him just be like tink like just like, how how smart like and that like so like that idea you know he's like we don't have a fire so we have to use body heat and then later when he gets his ass not his ass kicked, but like, you know, he kills like 30 people and then he collapses or whatever. Daigoro goes down to the lake to get him water and he like can't cup it. So like he has the brilliant idea of like putting it in his mouth and running up to his dad and spitting yeah. it in his dad's mouth. Like, you know, like it's cr- so cool. Also like this kid, he talks about, in, in, at least in Shogun Assassin, like his dad's kill counts in the 300s, right? And like that's only since he started counting. Kid's got a body count too. Like, he kills yeah. at least one person on like the cart yeah. with all the knives and all the different things. Like he knows where to tap have to like put a knife out like this kid's got blood on his hands too so maybe he has embraced his fate i don't know the cart with the knives and the wheels and just like him tapping shit to pop knives out is also very very cool to me this felt the most fast and the furious to me like related <laughs> is this dom's baby carriage for his yeah son? <laughs> that's what i was thinking why don't we see more we see that a ton in james bond now that joey brings it up don't we see like a lot of like cars that have like tires that can like pop other tires and oh yeah bond? yeah that's like where it all kind of came from right it's like the yeah. trick cars that like all tricked out with like smokes and slicks and like yeah. injector seats and yeah but that's what i was and when i'm watching this i'm like oh yeah like that is such a fucking cool thing that you have like knives that come out of your cart to like cut their feet off and like the knife is spinning in a circle right so like you're just gonna get poked by this thing you're not gonna like lose a foot because it's not flat so here's a question for you guys because it feels like like obviously the shogun like the shogun's like he's like he's the executor right like he you know lone wolf is like he's got the most like he's the best swordsman he's the most trusted guy he's like he's got the best fighting skills all this stuff right yeah but it seems like through most of these movies he just has a sharper, stronger sword that like just slices <laughs> through other swords. Like it, it's got a name at one point, right? Like the Horse Slayer or something they call it. <laughs> like people block him. It seems like oh yeah, like this should you know this this will do the trick, and like it just cuts through it. It's like what the like that's not fair. Like that, yeah, he cuts like, swords like, in half all the he's time. He's great, but it also feels like oh no, like it just he's got a better sword, which again, mm. Tori Hanzo steel, right? Like it's the yeah. same. It's whatever, but still, I don't know. It's a, a little column A, a little column B. I think I think that's part of it, but if at one point, I can't remember when or if it's in Shogun Assassin, like he gets the sword taken away from him and he still manages pretty well without it until he gets it back. And like he picks up other people's weapons and, and kills them with it and stuff. And I think it could partially be that he's got like, you know, the greatest steel. Um, however, like, you know, it's not just the steel. It's the guy or girl wielding it and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so I feel like there's something more like also where like when he walks up on you and they're like you know prepare to die and he's like 
I'm already dead. I'm basically a demon. I've given <laughs> up being a human. Then you're like, shit. Like, psycho, like, psychologically, you know, like, he's fucking with you also. So I think there's a lot of that going on, where it's like, he's just got this image and this reputation, too, to back up all of his ass-kicking. Yeah. There is another trend. I was saying there's two before. The other, the second trend that comes up in this movie that we notice in a few movies recently is we get more little kid nudity. Like, just, I mean, more it's... More wieners. That's for, true. For point, but, like, Mike, there's, like, this is the third or fourth movie that we've watched where just, like, a little Asian kid is naked. And really? it's like, there's a reason here, like... Like, Lone Wolf takes his clothes off to, like, keep him warm. But there's other ones just, like, little kids running through town naked. And, like, they comment. Like, it's not just, like, oh, this is, like, a poor town where kids. Like, they comment on the fact that, like, oh, remember that little naked kid? It's like, wait, what? what is happening? Like, why Why does this keep happening? So much child nudity. Yeah, what, were we, what was it? Lady Snowblood, maybe? Lady Snowblood had it. And there was another one, too. I mean, this also comes to mind some brings something up in my mind where it's like ratings right like another reason i feel like shogun assassin was so hard to find in the days because it's basically rated x in america um for violence you know and like i wonder what's going on with um ratings in japan around this time like are there any what is this rated like what i mean because there is so much violence so much nudity like way more nudity than i would have expected or anything it just seems like very adult and i was not ready i guess for how X or R rated uh, it came across. There's something interesting that I found about the nudity is that largely the nudity is not sexual. Like That's true. It's, yeah. it's breasts being presented for food or it's women getting stabbed in the breast or whatever. The only, I think, unless I miss something, the only like sexual presentation of a breast is in Lone Wolf and Cub 1 where that prostitute like, you know, just like kind of seductively walks over to him. But like for the most part, like there, there's nudity, I guess maybe it's just like you know, literally to titillate whatever, but like it's not there to like, oh hey, look, like these are like boobs that you want to like get aroused to. It's just like, oh no, like these are all like these are not, you know, erotic boobs. These yeah. are just like functional okay. boobs or like <laughs> bloody, you know, been destroyed boobs. That makes sense because growing up I've just, you know, I mean maybe it's a stereotype, but you hear about how like sexually repressed Japanese culture is, you know, and that's why you get like tentacle manga and things like that or whatever. But like that could be what we're seeing here, you know, like the stabbing and the insertion and the explosion of the blood, like it could all be metaphorical, you know, like there's Good. that's a possibility too. So like maybe the this is just the result of such like a chase society or something, you know, is just like they don't present it sexually, like it's just functionally. That could be, because that's also, I get the same sense in the warming each other scene, you know, like there's nudity, Mm -hmm. but it's strictly for survival. Right. Joe, any other notes, any other thoughts, any other connections or things Mm. you thought of that you want to share with Shogun Assassin? I'm looking through my other Lone Wolf and Cub notes now. I have a question for you guys, because we're doing the cool lap. Who do you think is cooler, Lone Wolf or Cub? Right now, Lone Wolf, but like when Cub is Lone Wolf's age, if he lives that long, it's going to be Cub. Like, Cub's going to be cooler in like five years. Like, just Cub doesn't have enough life <laughs> in his bones. But even in the movie, like right now, who is cooler? Lone Wolf, I think. He just. I think yeah. without Lone Wolf being as cool as he is, Cub is not as cool. Like, Cub's only as okay. cool as he is because of Lone Wolf. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I was getting this real fucking badass vibe off of Lone Wolf. Like, I was also. And I don't think it's any 
mystery either. Like there was a phase where I believe um, Wolverine became fashioned after the lone wolf. Like he went to Japan and he had this whole samurai past and everything like that, mm. you know, cause he's like a thousand years old or whatever. So like, I'm sure he was fighting alongside these dudes at one point. Uh, and he looks a lot like, you know, the lone wolf does in this movie in those comics and stuff. He's got the wild, crazy Wolverine beard and everything. And he's got the gi on and the sword and stuff and stuff. So like, I, yeah, he's just sort of like the epitome of cool. Yeah, I do want to say, speaking of cool moments, I think maybe, maybe the coolest thing that Lone Wolf does in any of these movies is not translate the Shogun Assassin because it's a modern day in the first Lone Wolf and Cub movie. But like, you know, in the movie in Shogun Assassin where he's wearing those white robes yes. and then he fights his way out and yes. then eventually just like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to swear vengeance on you, whatever. Yeah. That's a longer sequence in Lone Wolf and Cub sort of vengeance. And he's wearing the white and he does that thing and he goes outside and like he's kneeling down to essentially like like to be killed like the ritualistic suicide slash you know execution whatever and he takes his white robe off and he's in the hollyhock crest which is like the shogun's crest and he's like you've trained your men never to attack this crest so good luck getting someone to attack me right now (laughs) and the shogun is like what you you can't do this it's just like oh my like it's the coolest thing you trickster like that's Aww. that's such a cool like I'm I'm you know I'm gonna fight my way out and then I I know how this is gonna end they're gonna you know put me in a circle and they're going to like make me stab myself and then ha- cut off my head but they're not gonna be able to if I'm wearing your shit so like good luck he's like you take those <laughs> off it's the coolest idea it's beautiful I love it it's awesome that is awesome he's so smart <laughs> also there's a monkey in the second movie I don't think there's a I don't think there's a monkey, there's a monkey in Shogun in, Assassin there is a oh, there monkey is? in Shogun Assassin okay. yeah because I was thinking like actually there's like multiple scenes with a monkey and I was kind of thinking like were there were there monkeys in Japan? Like I don't remember. Oh, there were when I was there in 1993. I mean, like wild ones, like in yeah, the... like in yeah. Weird. We went to this place. It was like Monkey Mountain. I mean, for crying out, they're just everywhere. They're on the side. Of, I have photos. That's it's like in the uh, like Osaka region. So I don't remember monkeys at all. I like I, also I don't know. monkeys. Fast verse. Spy racers. Brazil. Exactly. Yoka 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 yoka. Donut was the monkey's name right mm-hmm. yeah wait is they they have like a they have like is it like congo is it like a scent is it like a smart monkey no it's just like a little races a car i don't remember the type of the monkey but it, it's just like a little it's just like a little it looks like monkey. this it looks like the oh, monkey okay. that was in this movie yeah oh, okay it, okay and that somehow the monkey saves the world because it's like i don't know because it's spy racers how long until we get like clyde from every which way but loose, showing up, doing a cameo in the Fastiverse, driving. A they don't Cadillac. like. They don't like animals, dude. <laughs> We've talked about this. They don't do animals at all. Like we have the yeah. iguana. That's it. They don't even like dogs right. or cats in the movies. Yeah, you can't risk them dying on screen. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess maybe no uh, animal-human hybrids in the future when they fight Doctor Moreau's great-great-granddaughter or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah. Animals. Maybe they get sucked into novels in the twelfth one. Uh, you know. Uh, Joe, any other thoughts? Any other notes? No, that's just like a fucking awesome movie, and everybody should see it. And if you haven't, just go do it now. Mike, any other thoughts or notes? Yeah, I wish I I had watched the Shogun Assassins on the nice, crisp, clean Criterion disc, but I'm kind of also glad I watched it on my crappy, illegal bootleg from like the 90s. <laughs> I know, like, right? It just yeah. had like such a fuzzy, visually fuzzy, because it's like 280p maybe, if that. But like <laughs> 140, is that one? 
But like, yeah, it made me feel fuzzy inside again too about like the times I used to watch this thing. And I love the originals as well. Like, I think you know, if you want the full story, if you want to know what the cub is thinking while he's going through this adventure, watch Shogun Assassin. And then if you want to see the rest of the story, watch the Lone Wolf and Cub stuff. I'm really looking forward to watching the rest of this and Same. talking about it. I'm, I'm gonna go back and watch the first two for sure. You guys definitely sold me. Get ready for when we do the third one, so that so that we like all see them um yeah you definitely sold me on it i didn't know if i was gonna like rewatch them because i was like oh you know like i knew like how shogun assassin was but you guys definitely convinced me that that's like the way to go so well because the, the first one is like basically brand new and the second yeah. one is like recontextualized almost completely so like mm-hmm. it's definitely worth watching the other good thing is that all seven of these the six lone wolf, lone wolf and cub and shogun assassin are all between like 80 and 89 minutes like, they're, yeah, all they're not short. super lo- they're not super long it's it's a so. it's a it's a breezy watch too right for me at yeah. least shogun assassin is because it's like it's a lot of fighting so yeah i was gonna say like a lot still happens in these movies i remember thinking like wait a minute there's only 10 minutes left and they still have to kill like three people (laughs) this is crazy all right you guys want to watch the trailer yes let's i've never seen the trailer so we're gonna watch the trailer for shogun assassin shogun assassin hd trailer from rolf just uploaded february 4th 2014 the most awesome trailer ever top comment (laughs) wu-tang It should just be called coolest trailer ever. All right, three, two, one, play. The sand is super desert where the people are hiding. Yeah, that's 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 a really cool cool scene. I agree. It's never really explained in either version. It's just like yeah, that's just where they hide to kill people. Oh man, I can't believe they ruined that in the trailer. Well, you don't know when it's coming. That's true. But I mean, when you see sand, you're gonna be like, okay. (laughs) Wizards. Mad wizards. Oh, the hypnotizing him with the dresses was cool too. Behold the oh, there he is. Legendary warrior. He's so cool. A loving father. Yeah, this is the music too. The power of a dozen armies in one sweep of his mystic blade. The sheathing the sword is is probably one of the coolest moments. Like every time he does it, it's really. Cool. Or like whipping the blood off it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, they're like they're showing like the final kills in the movie. I mean, again, to Mike's point, you don't know when those kills are, but like. And the man still became a demon. Oh, my favorite kill though, I think, is in that final fight where like he he attacks the guy like does like this like jumping like somersault spinning jump like way up in the air lone wolf chases after him like he's chasing after a fly ball and then just goes and slices him like he just runs for like 30 feet and like just like when he lands just gets him <laughs> i like this jacket too man like cubs jacket right there was fucking awesome on the planet these guys are like big trouble in little china guys these three whenever i see the claw thing i always think of um Enter the dragon. You know what this is starting to make me hype for is Mortal Kombat, the new one coming out. This Saturday, yeah, man, or this Friday. Yeah, how the fuck does it come out so fast? What? The new Mortal Kombat. They've been making it for years. Have they? I guess I just wasn't paying attention. There we go. I don't know that like you would fall down and like I don't like I don't believe that, but it also makes it cooler. You know it makes I mean? it way cooler. It makes it so much cooler. Damn. <laughs> I want the so haircut epic. too. Everything about this movie is so cool to me. Shogun 
assassin. No, you don't. You don't want that haircut as a white dude. Like that's 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 cultural appropriation. I, like, I'm saying ridicule. I, yes, I'm saying in theory, I really want that haircut because I think it looks very cool. I get the prob- problems behind it. But yes, it's so cool that I aspire to have a haircut as cool as that. Is that better? Sure. Yes, I like that. Well, it's the same thing. It's like we talked about when we did drive. It's like if you're cool enough and fit enough to wear the drive jacket, you shouldn't be wearing the drive jacket. You wouldn't just because it wouldn't be cool anymore, right? Like that's the whole point. All right. Time to play the Letterboxd game. So for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd, has been seen by 789,000 people. 789. This is huge. This is Shogun Assassin, 1980, directed by Robert Houston and Kenji Masumi, which I guess is the Americanized recutter and then the original director. Yeah. Starring, uh, I can't get these names right. I'm not even going to try. How many people have seen Shogun Assassin? I'm guessing a ton. It, this is like yeah. a darling movie. I'm going to say so. like half a mil, you know, like 500,000. Whoa. Ooh, that's a little high. That's a little high. What? Is it? Is it too high, guys? I mean, well, it's been well, around compared to Compared to Fury Road, which is one of the most popular movies on Letterboxd, it's been seen <laughs> yeah. by slightly okay. more than that. Okay, okay, okay. I'll go a little lower. I'll say 100,000. Okay. Oh, that's right around where I was going. I'm, I'm going to go 78,000. You are both way too high. <laughs> Figures. I think, like, that's the problem. Like, we're way more into this. No, but it's I like, think. you know, you got the Tarantino connection. He mentions it in Kill Bill. You got to factor all okay. that stuff in. That's what I was thinking. I'm going down to 10,000. 35,000. 35 large? Kick it a nickel? Kick it a nickel. 35. You're both still too high, but Mike's pretty close. One more guess. Okay. Really this low? I'm surprised that this is as low as it is. Yeah, I'll go like nine nine thousand. I'm gonna keep. Sl- I'm going down to five five thousand. Seventy four forty eight seventy four forty eight. I've seen Shogun Assassin. That's Average so rating low, of three point seven. Most common a four, then a three and a half, then a three, then a five, then a four and a half. How many people? Out of those 7,400 people, have this in their top four films of all time? I'm going to say, like, 25. I think that's a little high, but I was going to go, like, high based on how many people have seen it. I'm going to go, like, six. You are both too low. Okay. Too low! Okay, okay. More than 25. Okay, so the people that love this do fucking love this movie. I'm going to bump it to 100. 100, yeah. Uh, nah, 45. In between, one more guess. In between 45 and 100. 66. 73. 59. 59 people have 59. this in their top four. That's a ton. Like, based on how we play this game a lot, that's a that's a whole lot. Like, that proportion is huge. It's weird. It seems like a lot of people have it in their top, but not a lot of people have seen it. If that, yep. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, I figured yes. more people will have seen it and less people would have. I don't know. I agree. It's, it's, I'm 100% weird. with you, Mike. Yep. So the other thing that I was. So, I'm, you know, the, the, the other letterbox game we're going to play is I go to one of these profiles and, you know, we try to guess the top four. And it was difficult. Like the people. It's weird. Like some people have like four random ass samurai movies in their top four. Okay. Some people have just like it. Like it was hard to find one. Then I found Jack Murphy Jones at J A M U R J O. So the beginning of each of his names, Jack Murphy Jones on Letterboxd did not review this movie. I don't know if he rated this movie. Probably five stars. But he has Shogun Assassin as his number four favorite movie of all time. His top right. three are all gettable. One, his number one, Joe, is one that we've had a couple times on here and is a movie that you and I have covered and is a sequel, a long after the fact sequel to a classic. Blade Runner. 2049. Correct. Yeah. Nice. Mike, his second movie, this is going to be maybe subjective, but I think you'll agree with me. What is the movie that you 
and I, pro- at least I, most regret not doing a better Raising job. Raising Arizona. Of. Raising Arizona number two. <laughs> I almost got that one. I knew you were going to say that. The backstory there is that Mike and I, we were like, that's really early in Cage's career, like like 10 or 15 movies in or something. Mike and I are like, we're looking forward to the entire run of Cage Club because that's the first one I think that like we both knew that we were going to love, right? Like we're like, this yeah. is... Right. This is the first classic. And I'm watching, like, I don't need to take notes. I know this whole movie. And then Mike and I get on the, the microphones and we both freeze. And our episode is 15 minutes long. We're just like, <laughs> oh, man. We're like, I don't, I don't know what to talk. Like, it's great, right? And Mike's yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's great. It still comes up. I think I was talking to Brian about that yesterday night. <laughs> it happens. We all, hey, man. I get you. I get the feels. It sucks because of the feels, not because it's, yeah, I get it. I'm sorry. Guys, no, I mean, it's fine. Like, we, yeah. I think we rewatched, I think we did a Cage Club revisited on yeah, it. Yeah, like, I think we did a pretty good job of that. But, like, if we ever did do, like, a Cage Club Gold or whatever, like, that's the movie we go back and watch first, you know? <laughs> Just make sure we do a decent job. It is literally my second favorite Cage movie. Like, only Wild at Heart. And, like, I would watch it more often than I'd watch Wild at Heart because Wild at Heart's, like, fucked up and, like, difficult it's to so watch. Intense. But, like, <laughs> Raising Arizona is a perfect movie. And I'm like, hey, I got nothing to say. I am so. <sighs> I am so sorry. It was like, how great was John Goodman? I know, wasn't he great? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and that chase, right? Yeah, cool chase. Um, Holly Hunter, anyway. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cage, cage with the tattoo. Okay. Anyway, next week. All right. Next week we got Never on Tuesday. Don't know what this is. I'm sure oh it's going to be God. terrible. And then that episode's probably longer, even though he's on screen for two minutes. So Jack Murphy Jones, number one, Blade Runner 2049, number two, Raising Arizona, number four, Shogun Assassin, the number three movie. I don't know that we've had this in the top four before, but it is a very well-known movie that I think you would both say that you love. And it is by a top four all-star director, I would say. And this movie is from the 90s. So a a director that Letterboxd loves Mm. and a movie that I think that all three of us really like. And it's from the 90s. Jurassic Park? No, but it fits all all the things. Okay, okay. I'm going to go Jaws. Jaws is from from the 70s, isn't it? (laughs) It's okay. God, I wish I wasn't choking on water. I was going to shame you there. Mike did it for you. It's okay. Hmm. What movie from the 90s? Is it Spielberg? Nope. So I'm thinking like, you know, The Matrix, but that's 99. But it's not The Matrix. No, we've had that before. Yeah, we've had The Matrix. That's true. This movie is not as big as those. I mean, it's still a great movie that I think was probably wildly popular that okay. I know a lot of people love, but it's not its not as important to the overall narrative as Jurassic Park or The Matrix. Or Jaws. Or Jaws. The really big guy. <laughs> <laughs> give me something. You gotta give me something else. It's hard. That, that's, there's a huge breath here. I mean, like, I get that you're narrowing it down. What but like... director does Letterboxd love more than anybody else? Tarantino. <laughs> no, but close. Sort of. Um... PTA? No, but again, (laughs) I don't know. I know they hate Christopher Nolan, even though I love him, but this guy's still making movies. Wes Anderson. Nope. Wes Anderson feels like a, like a letterboxed. Here's a hint. This guy has a movie nominated for best picture this year. Is it David Fincher? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the nineties one? Is it Fight Club? Nope. What? Not as, not as big, not as important. Panic Room? The game <laughs> bigger than that, more important. Than that. The game All is right. my favorite. Then, then the seven, seven, seven. We, you're right. We don't get seven a lot, and that I was yeah, gonna say right. seven first, but I wanted to kind of draw it out. I Panic Room was good. <laughs> I like Panic Room was such a good. It could shit on so much. Young Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Stewart. Man, yeah. I know. I know. Awesome. I love Panic Room. Oh, okay. Did you guys see Underwater with Kristen Stewart by any chance? I really yes. I watched that like was a that lot. Was that the Crocodile just, one? No, no. It's, the, it's the Deep Sea Lab. Yeah. 
They're crawling. It's, through it's the, the same thing. Under uh, the I God, know, what was the crocodile one? The crocodile one was great though. Creep or something. It had like a name like that. Crawl. 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 Creep. <laughs> Crawl was great. I was close. I was close. I know, but that's why I'm laughing. It's like so close. <laughs> I love that Radiohead song, Crawl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a crawl, I'm a weirdo. There's a whole South Park episode about that, Joey. About Scott Teneman must die, and his favorite band is Radiohead. And he's like, you know, they're like, who's Radiohead? And they're like, you know, they have that song, I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. And they like, they just like butcher it the whole time. Yeah. One show I will never watch in its entirety is South Park. I but love Thank South you, Park. Mike, so much for joining us. Mike, we will be on your show. So this episode comes out the 27th so this comes out on tuesday so next monday less than a week from now on the main feed we will be on your show talking about the next lone wolf and cub movie so i'm very very excited i'm very excited i cannot wait that's gonna be awesome same same, but between now and then you have a monsters that made us that comes out what is this week's monsters that made us for april 2021 oh that's right it is werewolf of london universal the song yeah i was gonna say (laughs) yeah it's it's the uh, movie the song was based on, I think, or the song the Should movie be. was based on. I don't think I knew this was a Universal Monster movie. Yeah. Like, this is the first yeah. one that doesn't feel like a slam dunk obvious. Like, of course that is. Like, mm-hmm. this is like, what? We, I bring that up, <laughs> you know? I have, a, I have a very important question for you mm-hmm. about your show. Uh, before the last episode, I think, or maybe it was before two episodes ago, a recent episode, your Twitter account was like, this is our most controversial episode yet. And there was not a note of controversy <laughs> in the episode. What, what were you guys Hype. teasing on Twitter? I, I have no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's I racked my brain. Like, the only thing we disagreed, I think that was the Bride of Frankenstein episode, if I'm not mistaken, or something. And the only thing I think we disagreed on was that I, I liked the recasting of Frankenstein's wife, and he didn't? I don't know. <laughs> I know, because, like, I, I saw that on Twitter, and then I watched the ep- I listened to the episode, like, very intently, like, oh, this is the episode where they're going to, like, there's going to be a rift, like, an irre- you know, oh. irreconcilable rift, or, like, they have some nope. hot takes. And, like, the entire thing, like, at one point, you're like, I think this is a good movie. And then Dan's like, yeah, I think so, too. I'm just like, wait, that's not, like, it was, like, like something, like, I'm like, oh, this, Mike said the thing that's going to, like, you know, it's going to rock the boat. And then Dan's like, yeah, I think I agree. It's like, wait, what? No, this this can't. Where's the, where's the controversy? I'm sorry about that, guys. I was, I'm not in control of our Twitter. Maybe I should be. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I like the hype. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, it's a good uh, sell. You got me curious. I'm sitting here listening to hear the hype, the controversy now myself. And Joey just told me there wasn't any. So that's oh, good. There's, there, there is none. It's like, it's a show <laughs> where like, I mean, it's sort of like this in where, you know, they're watching exclusively movies, movies that they love. Yeah. Almost exclusively good movies. And so it's just like, yeah, like there's nothing like it's just like, yeah, that was another good one. And like, like yeah, like there's there's more analysis than that. But it's not like, oh, like, you know, they have to trudge <laughs> this one. It's just like, oh, yeah, no, that's another classic movie that like inspired the next hundred years of cinema. Yeah. It's like, yeah, OK. <laughs> I know. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I will say this, though, like uh, not that it's controversial or anything, but this might be Universal's first bump in the road as Ooh. far as like, you know. Stone Cold classics go, you know, not to say that there's like, I mean, is this going to be your most controversial episode ever? (laughs) I think each (laughs) episode of Too Fast Too Forever is the most controversial episode of the monsters that made us ever. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. (laughs) So the the werewolf of London is the name of the movie. Yeah. Werewolf of London. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that'll be out. And like, yeah, I, I didn't even know for a long time that the Wolfman was not their first 
foray into into this subject matter. So a very cool uh, episode, uh, very controversial, highly controversial <laughs> episode. I think that should be our catchphrase from now on. It like, should be. The new it episode, abs- it's highly on. controversial. The latest episode from the highly controversial duo behind <laughs> the highly controversial Bride of Frankenstein. And just never explain it. Like, it's it's funny. Like, I don't think it was meant to be funny. And like, maybe it was meant to be like, but I'm sure that in Dan's brain, there was like a, oh, we I can't believe we got away with this. And I'm like, I'll, the whole time I'm like intently listening, just like, what? could it possibly be? <laughs> You're not the only one who brought that to my attention. I could only imagine what Dan is being asked at this very moment. I, even, I think I asked Brian about it because I'm like, I'm like, is, I'm like, what, what do you think this is about? He's like, I don't know. And I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Is it's fun. It's very fun. Already is it like, is it done before it even began? <laughs> also, sometime soon we will be back to Elvis. Uh, we're in like a little bit of a gauntlet with Too Fast. Like, even though we're once a week, we got the mm-hmm. two extra Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Yeah. In two weeks, I'm not going to explain what it is, but there's another bonus episode going to the main feed. But like, there's a little bit of run. So I think sometime in May, Mike, you and I will be back with Viva Pod Vegas. Now that nice. you are, you and I have both yeah. been vaccinated. Yep. Oh, Mike's vaccinated too. Cool. Return. Yeah. Mike's got the J and J baby. He's got, he got the, the one uh, and done. Yeah. I had the uh, the night of hell on earth, <laughs> and then I was really? fine. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I got I got everything that they told you. Like every side chills, effect at once. Shakes, pretty much one after the other. Wait, Mike, twenty four hours. Were your chills multiplying? Oh, oh I was <laughs> losing control. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna go with an Operation Hell on Earth reference instead of the night of earth, the the night of hell or whatever night of hell on earth. Operation Hell on Earth. You remember that? You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh that's man. Just, that's from that's from Mr. Show, where they oh. want to like they have like a terroristic threat, and then like it just becomes them leaving a van parked out in the desert, playing a uh, playing a song at like a reasonable volume. But that's their Operation Hell on Earth to like overthrow the U.S. government. Oh um, man, I gotta rewatch yeah. those for sure. But yeah, this is the only place that uh, it's gone public that I've got the shot. So cool. I didn't mean to spill spill your beans. No, but, uh, hey, it's been it's been like two and a, two weeks. So like you know whatever. It's open to everyone now. You know, I wasn't telling people I got vaccinated back in January. I mean, we told it on here, but I was just like, I feel weird that I got vaccinated so early, but I wasn't like going around, you know. I got it's smart stare. not to post your selfie because there's a lot of information yeah. in the selfie. There's that, a like, lot of inf- people always forget this, man. Mm-hmm. It, like driver's licenses. I mm-hmm. see so many of my friends post like, I got a new driver's license because I just moved. And I'm like, there's your address and driver's license number. And yes. It's crazy now that it's like, I mean, if you can get it, get it. Get the shot. If you get the yes. shot. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> get this, get, get this shot. Travolta, perfect. Get this shot. I got, I got a uh, spare dose. That's how I got it. It was a spare dose. So like, yep. very cool. The pharmacy man. was like, "Can you get down here?" And I was like, "You bet your ass." And that's there awesome, we go. Dude. Well, we have run out of people, I think, to vaccinate. So <laughs> that's not We've a run joke. Out of I wish that was a joke. Want of a vaccination? Yeah. We're very not close. great. Not great. Not but great. Thank you, Mike. So. Today, this episode, obviously, Friday, Monsters That Made Us. Monday, our show. The most controversial your, your show episode with us. ever. The most controversial episode of Third Time of Charm. And then oh, sometime no. after that. <laughs> it's, not the God, it's, it's not the original Godfather 3 episode of Third Time's a Charm again, is it? I think that's my most controversial episode. Oh. Aside from well, the, you guys are both like, I like that movie? No, because it's a good movie. No, when I the book club to that, I'll just say. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> it's very yes. controversial. Yeah, and then so uh, sometime, I don't know when, because it all depends, but sometime after you release yours, we'll have recorded it by then. It's just a matter of timing it right on the Patreon feed. But sometime in early May, the third episode will be out. So too fast, too for that. But next week, Joe, we got Heather Antos back to close out the lap in 
you know, the main movies at least yeah, yeah. with Hobbs and Shaw, which there's no doubt, de- like this can be her favorite movie, right? Like of, I of the don't, nine. don't fucking jinx it. That's why I've, I've been saying, I hope that she <laughs> loves it as much as we think she will love it. I'm hopeful that she's going to love it for all things too fast too forever. You go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash too fast too forever or at too fast too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at too fast too forever.com. You want, you know, you want to get in join it's dope. Day. Get that dollar, dollar a month going, get, get the, the Patreon floor. bonus episodes, get the yeah. fourth movie of the series covered third episode but fourth movie in a couple of weeks whenever we get to it plus we got other stuff planned and more bonus episodes you can hear us and brian do too fast too forever after dark i was gonna say i'm gonna make mike do a bunch of impressions on the fourth one behind the paywall so oh yeah only get impressions <laughs> i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and i'm mike manzi and we'll tell you all about it we see you